The following is a CSPN Media podcast presentation. The views expressed by the hosts and guests of the Comic Book Chronicles are the opinions of said hosts and guests. They do not reflect the opinions of the Comic Book Chronicles, the Click Nation, or the Coast Leather Podcast Network in any part. Thank you. Spoilers. Hello and welcome to another exciting episode of the Comic Book Chronicles. I am your host, Roddy Cat, and you can find me at Roddy Cat on Twitter. You can find me at Newsnews Need on Twitter, and you can find me at CB Caps on Instagram. And that's the sound effect you just heard coming from none other than our man in Brooklyn, one agent underscore 70 on Twitter and Instagram. What's up, everybody? Yeah, from the home of the Dodger Brooklyn squad. <laughs> Bring out the ODB. Rest sure. in peace. Sure, sure. And actually, while we're at it, speaking of rest in peace, rest in peace to Shock G, the one who put what? the satin in your panties. Yeah, he just, uh, oh, you didn't you didn't know? When did that happen? Uh, apparently, recently, uh, today. What? Yeah, I just uh, saw it on. I've been on social media for the most part today. Damn! Yeah, I just saw it on Twitter like um, a few minutes ago, or uh, a minute ago. So uh, yeah, so we've not. So we've lost uh, Shock G, DMX, uh, um, Black Rob in this whole in this past week. Ah, uh, he's only fifty-seven. Yeah. <sighs> so. And I love me some 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 digital underground. So that was that one that one kind of hit me. Oh, come on! That's like a uh, what you want call? That's one of those karaoke. You know, Humpty Dance is one of those karaoke staples for me because I knew all the words. Right, right. Oh. right I mean, the whole album Sex Packers was, was the was a was a whole pop. You know, you got Gut Fest '89, your Freaks of the Industry, your Humpty Dance, obviously. You know, uh, Do What You Like also was another. Okay. Yeah, you know, so all you know, the in the biscuits and whatnot. Exactly, exactly. So yeah, oh, that's um, condolences go out to the, to the D U family and and uh, Shock G family, whose name was uh, Gregory Jacobs. Oh. So, who? <laughs> I, I look at somebody. Somebody was on. And, um, uh, somebody was just saying that um, you know. There are a lot of people who didn't know that, uh, or there were some people who didn't know that Shock G and up was the same person. I'm like, I'm like, I think I, I think I remember him saying that in an interview. Right. Well, the funny was because it was like it was wasn't that hard to tell. It was like he basically did as somebody else also pointed out on, on Twitter. He basically did a Clark Kent, which is a big rubber, you know, with a with a big nose and glasses. Exactly. So, but yeah, um, you know. And apparently he did a solo album for Coincidence. But anyway, let me get off of Twitter. Um, uh, but yeah, like I said, um, condolences come out to Shock, uh, Shock G's family and the DU Posse. 
who, who all is left. Um, sure, Money B is not running around somewhere. Um, but yes, uh, like I said, this is the Comic Book Chronicles and not uh, the Hip Hop Chronicles. Although you know, some there's there's times when it can be. Yeah, but I say there are times where they kind of cross section. So um, you can find this here program on uh, the Coastal Podcast Network. Uh, that's cspn.us do it today you can also find this on your podcast personal place of choice whether it be google play apple itunes aka apple podcasts uh spotify or the cold slither or yes the cold slither podcast soundcloud page We are on the eve of the Mortal Kombat reboot, and I am upset with myself because I didn't get to get a chance to watch um, uh, the Mortal Kombat, the, the two other Mortal Kombat movies before this drop. Not saying I was going to, you know, watch it when it drops, uh, probably at three o'clock, but still, I wanted to do it before now, so. Right, even though it's my understanding that this new Mortal Kombat movie is a, a refreshing it is a re- of the, yeah. of the uh, franchise, so, mm-hmm. but it's I guess it's to get into the mood. Yeah, basically. <laughs> yeah, you know, compare and contrast. You know, because this one from from the trailers that I've seen of it so far, and I stopped looking at those. You know, is definitely markedly. It is definitely going low. I don't know. I don't know if it's going to be gritty reboot, but they definitely um, up in the ante <laughs> uh, for the fights and whatnot. And since it's, it's not the '90s anymore, I'm pretty sure it's going to be uh, the, the fatality is going to be interesting for what they show already. But regardless, that's going to be for next week's show. Uh, should we decide to talk about it? Because I know one of us, you know, one of us is not so much uh, into it, and uh, one of us is. But um, what we are going to say, what? I said there is an understatement. (laughs) So, but what we are going to start talking about uh, for, well, not briefly, briefly, but we're definitely going to try to run through it, uh, is uh, The Falcon and Winter Soldier, Episode 5. See now, I thought Roddy Cat was going to say we were on the eve of the season finale or the season finale oh, I'm of that. Falcon and the Winter Soldier uh, as well. Yeah, but you know, Mortal Kombat apparently takes uh, precedence uh, in 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 Roddy Cat's watching and 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 viewing uh, uh, priority. Hey, we've had uh, Falcon with the Soldier for for what, five weeks now, so you know, I figured I was going to get to that when we actually finished talking about it, as opposed to. But yes, it is, it, it is still a truth. But at least with Mortal Kombat, it's a, kind of a different animal. Mortal Kombat! Okay. Yeah. Maybe there'll be an animality in there. We don't know. But regardless, Falcon and Winter Soldier Episode 5. We're going to recap this right quick. So if you are trying to, if you have not watched it and want to still somehow, some way, stay for spoiler free of that, maybe tune out for about, let's say, 20 minutes. Yeah, sounds about right. All right, so we're going to start off with the the episode's name, which is called Truth. Um, and some could say, um, you know, it could be a play on uh, 
uh, the the old storyline, uh, Truth, uh, uh, what's it, like, oh Lord, I should know this. Uh, truth, red, red, black. red, and black, yes. There we go. Yes. I was getting there. I'm tired, I, folks. I was, gonna say it's de- I was about to say, it's definitely a callback to that particular storyline uh, by Robert Morales and Kyle Baker uh, because it does carry, you know, it. this was the exposition slash plot moving episode. Indeed. And but actually, that's kind of what made it great, though. Right. Well, because, you know, it's unfortunate that. You know, it a lot of the stuff happens in the penultimate episode of the season, but at the end of the day, it needed to happen now because it does so much to both move storylines forward and to set up the ending of this of this particular series or at least the season. So, um, you know, we basically follow up right on the heels of how uh, episode four ended with uh, John Walker without doing it completely on screen, probably decapitating one of the flag smashers or, or definitely killing, yes. probably decapitating. Right. And, uh, you know, we catch up with John Walker as he is beating a hasty retreat into what is apparently one of several abandoned warehouses in Riga. And, um, he is trying to uh, come to terms with what just happened. And uh, Sam Wilson and Bucky Barnes come upon him and, and uh, tell him that he's got to, you know, turn himself in and he's got to hand over the shield. And it's the handing over the shield part, which sets off Walker. He's basically thinking, so that's what this is. All. He basically says, so that's what this is all about. Mm-hmm. And that's when we have uh, a two on one uh, a handicap matchup, you know, to bring in the wrestling uh, hmm. reference. We have the two-on-one handicap matchup with uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier versus uh, John Walker, not yet the U.S. agent. Right. I have seen this fight as kind of a callback to Civil War. Um, with the with the the Captain Buck, um, yeah, with the Steve and Bucky versus the uh, Iron Man fight. Because there's definitely it's a couple of times where, yeah. Yeah, it's definitely reminiscent of it because it has some of the same basic concepts where there's one shield involved. Mm-hmm. But they do finally get, get the, the shield away from 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 um, from John. Uh, breaking his arm in the process, which, you know, <laughs> couldn't happen to a better dude. But, um, but also... You know, like I said, it was it was a tick t- tag team effort with uh, Sam and Bucky, but uh, I think um, Bucky was kind of the one to to kind of grab it, or to kind of pick it up after after the fight was over, and then give it back to Sam and then just walk off. So, um, right. So that was kind of the thing, and then we come to see. I think um, they they did take him away after this, right? Or was this? Uh, no, they took. Whatever, uh, I can't remember what happened right, like right directly after that. But uh, we know Sam goes kind of looking at the shield, trying to wipe off the blood. And I do remember that part. But then it cuts to them, uh, like a cleaning up crew coming and coming in or something like that. And then Sam talking to um, uh, Joaquin. About right. What's well, happen ultimately, now. What we get right. Ultimately, what we get is Sam. Uh, Sam saying, "So you're going after Zemo and Bucky? You know, Bucky sneaks out a door. Right. While." Uh, Joaquin Torres comes in asking, you know, well, basically, basically giving all of us 
the rundown of what's about to happen, which is, you know, in the wake of uh, John Walker basically committing murder on uh, in the most public fashion, in the most public way possible in, in uh, today's Internet age, uh, things have uh, things have uh, orders have come down from from, uh, you know, uh, the American military or on high to uh, tell all these uh, to tell these guys to stand down. Right. So, yeah, so basically, yeah, exactly. comes and tells them, well, we got, you got some downtime now. So, you know, sit tight and do what you, whatever, whatever. Um, so cut back to, uh, Washington where John Walker's on trial. Well, Don Washington, uh, you know, well, He's in front of a subcommittee. Yeah, it's not necessarily trial, right? It's implied that it's implied that uh, he is uh, in front of some Senate subcommittee. Um, It's weird because I don't know if these guys really have jurisdiction. You know, it's funny that uh, uh, you know they they uh, they uh, I believe Sam brings uh, brings in uh the the term jurisdiction i'm like i don't think the senate has jurisdiction over this well but... so that comes up um actually that comes up in a little bit but um that definitely does come up during the course of this so as a well, well at least at Andy. least what, what well, at least where it comes up is that in, in in terms of the general in terms of the general uh granting of certain rights privileges and immunities mm-hmm. uh you know l- let me not bring in the legalese but uh, but yeah, that does come in. But in terms of the jurisdiction of of, of the Senate, you know, as, as part of the as part of the uh, legislative branch, then it, it's like I said, we, uh, we, I'm not going to get too picky on this, but it just seems a little weird. But in any event, as as, as Roddy Cap mentioned, you know, John Walker's trying to make his case in front of a, a Senate subcommittee, and 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 this subcommittee basically strips him of his title. Uh, you know, bust him down to uh, other than honorable discharge, right. uh, no benefits. And John Walker basically uh, uh, retorts back at them saying, I'm, you know, you made me, I did everything you asked me to do. And essentially saying, this is how you treat me. Right. And, and all the while still saying, I'm Captain America. You need me to be Captain America. I'm Captain America. Why, why, why? Um, <laughs> you know, and then, and then, like uh, Age of Seven says, yes, yeah, goes into like, well, you made me this way. I did what you said, which is not true. And then nobody told him to do the, some of the things. I, I don't know, even know if like the whole thing with the GLC, GRC was. I mean, I guess it was government sanctioned. Uh, sanctioned. I do. We don't know. Yeah. What what, what? 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 What's left to our imagination is obviously post blip. You know, post snapping, post everybody returning, we don't understand how this GRC is set up, right? Because obviously the UN doesn't have that kind of jurisdiction, uh, but maybe the GRC does, right? And and I think as we said last uh, episode, um, how why is Captain America with them? Like that's <laughs> that 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 seems like a thing that wouldn't be a thing in a in a global. Um, you know, for a global outreach program, supposedly. Right. Yeah. So it's it's very it it it's a gray area, and that's actually a a, a, a hint at what is about to come next. Mm-hmm. And speaking of, so yeah, so he walks out. Um, you know, still thinking he's he's you know his privilege gotten gotten the better of 
you know, has clouded his judgment. Um, um, which I thought this came a little later. From, from I'm looking at a recap, but it was so yeah. Goes he's outside. Um, I get presumably still outside of the the, um, the courthouse with his with his wife, whom we haven't seen since the first episode. Right. No, it's just in the hallway because it's right. all. This is all. Uh, what you want to call? This is all like right after the hearing or right, right as the hearing ends. Right, and, and we get our big cameo. Yes. So yeah, he's talking to his wife. Teased cameo that the 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 showrunners and 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 the stars of the show have uh, teased us about teased us the viewers about for a while. I don't remember this tease because this was a so so a, a surprise to me. Oh no no! Uh, what should I call it? Malcolm Spellman in like you know interviews and whatnot, oh. and and some of the stars had said that there's a big non, uh, n- uh, a, a big cameo from a character from an actor who was not previously in the Marvel universe coming in episode five. Right. Well, yeah. So I haven't been looking at those uh, interviews. So that, so yeah, I haven't seen those. But yes, I think. About it. <laughs> I mean, not to that point, though. I don't remember that. But regardless, though. Um, but, so yeah. So Walker is out there talking to his wife and talking about no one's understand what it takes. I'm the, I'm the chosen one. Like almost like a whiny Anakin situation was going on. Um, and his wife's, you know, there with him um, to tell him to go visit uh, Lamar's parents, which apparently he hadn't done yet, and and you know, so they can keep doing what it is. And this is when we get. To the big, um, there's a surprise reveal when in walks in. Oh, wait, hold on. Did we warn everyone this is spoiler alert territory, even if it is almost a week after the show? I mean, I well, I did say, you know, if they didn't want to be spoiled, uh, to cut ahead a little bit, and there is a spoiler tag before the show audio, uh, version right. Of the show. I do recall you saying to cut ahead, but hey, big time spoiler alert now, sure. Um, you're gonna hit the bell, or I am. All right. All right. In walks in one Countess Valentina Allegra de Fontaine, played by none other than the one and only Julie Louise Dreyfus. Louise Dreyfus, not Louise, but um, aka right. what is oh. Selena? Wait, what's her name on uh, V? Selena. Oh, I'm not sure. I, 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 I've never really watched Veep, but we all know her as Elaine Bennis on yes. from Seinfeld. Exactly. What I was going to say is um, Ju- Julia Louis-Dreyfus, who has a healthy respect for the Marvel snipers, because we had no idea that she was a guest star right. on uh, on Falcon and the Winter Soldier. So uh, before going, that's, that's that's a hint at some stuff that's come that's come down the news pipeline. Well, uh, right, because I think there is. I, I think I do have it in there, but they they do have plans for her character, uh, which was like I said, for anyone of a certain vintage knows the character of uh, Contessa Valentina Allegra de Fontaine because she was a former uh, Shield. Well, she was a Shield agent, uh, lover of uh, Nick Fury, uh, who went rogue. And later turned into what was a Madam Hydra, I believe, at some point. Right, the Secret Warriors miniseries. Right. So we, judging by what 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 happened in this scene, we may or may not get be getting shades of that um, going on. We're but not to, sure. Right. We're yeah, not we, sure where what where what direction her character is going to go in. But right. what we do know is that she cozies up to John Walker. She very tells much does. Him that. 
right? Tells him that uh, the government, you know, is basically doing a CYA routine uh, and basically says, you know, what he needs to do is pick up the phone when she calls him and, um, you know, leaves it at that. Doesn't exactly leave a contact information, doesn't exactly leave him contact information on a card that has a a, visible back. Right. But uh, exactly. It's not visible. That's a good point, Roddy Cat, because ultimately, um, you know, where where T it's teased that she is going to have a continuing presence in the MCU. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so the the way she came in was kind of funny because like like you see her come in and she you know um, and she she introduces herself and I was like don't I felt like there was a little bit of a, a lane in the uh, introduction but then but she was pretty much all business and she was there like you said cozy enough to John and just pretty much, and, and while all the while John's wife is like who are you and she's just like keep on going what she's doing not saying one word to the wife until like the end of, until she finishes her whole spiel. And it was like, yeah, you married this old firecracker, you know, this firecracker here, and you know, and that, you know, and pretty much just slipping her car while she's just, um, while she's still eyeballing John and talking to him, which was kind of funny. Um, I'm like, you just gonna ignore her just all this whole time, time, but then she finally acknowledges her and then just walks off. <laughs> like, uh, like, yeah, the best thing you could do, the second best thing, or the first best thing you could do is give me a call, get him a card, talk to, say something about the wife, and then jets out. So, yeah, and that's the only time we get to see her, um, uh, see her so far. Like, whether she'll come up in this, in this final episode or not, I guess we'll find, we'll see. But, um, and yeah, and this is the part where she mentions that there is a legal gray area about the shield. Um, which... I get yeah that is a thing that has come up uh, in the comics also. To a, to well, I was about to say it depends. You know, it all depends on what what point they want to make. Right. I think this. I think in this particular situation, it's it's sticky because th- this shield is technically has never been in, been in United States possession. Right. This but, particular shield. Right. You know, and you know, we're not going to get into the into the semantics and, and and the details because you know that involves everyone understanding what happened in Endgame, but that's really what it is. See, and that um, was the thing. Right? I don't think that's what they're getting at, but right. that's what that's what it is. Right. No, they're talking about just like in, in the royal, the shield, in you know, in general, because I don't think they they would even know all of that information to know what happened to it. So, yeah, but like I said, yeah, that would go into a whole big thing that we don't necessarily need to get into about which shield this is. And, and I know there's been stories about that and uh, articles about that. So, um, but regardless, maybe that'll come up in this next episode. We don't, we don't know. Um, but we cook, we kick to Carly and the remaining, uh, flashbacks who go back to that one camp that, uh, that, uh, the guys were at, um, in the last episode trying to find her, which, um, I'm like, I guess they must have known the coast was clear or nothing because you would, and, and I guess they, no one would think to go that they would go back to a place they've already been before. Also, maybe I don't know. <laughs> well, the camp is cleared out, and right. it's basically been you know shut down after the raid by uh, after it's been raided by apparently um, 
uh, you know, forces who were looking to investigate what happened with the Flag Smashers. So it's emptied out and they just basically break their way in and, uh, uh, you know, they, they basically uh, vow to to uh, make, you know, make their move now. Right. Carly and, pretty much makes uh, a little speech and, and, and says, uh, yep, yeah, it's time to go and time to do our thing. Right. So. So 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 uh, we segue over to uh, Zemo standing in front of the Sokovian Memorial um, in Sokovia, apparently, or what's left of Sokovia. Right, and the, the uh, that is Zemo. Right, Zemo standing in front of this uh, memorial statue, and Bucky is seen coming up to him. And the, the two have a quick discussion about um, Carly being beyond uh, beyond any sort of help that they can provide. And um, Zemo basically tries to goad Bucky into uh, taking Zemo out. But at the end of the day, Bucky says, no, we're going to take care of Carly the way we're going to take care of her our own way. And also... Uh, brandishes a gun at Zemo but uh you know basically uh pulls a tri trigger and shows Zemo that the gun is unloaded by dropping every single bullet that would have been in the magazine onto the ground which and is, well, the Dora what's that which I don't know if that's true because it looks like there was only like six bullets and that thing was looked like it could hold more than six and I was like what was the purpose of doing that whole dropping of the thing anyway you could have just been like it's 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 dramatic effect yeah I know but it was like it's it dramatic effect I think you know, what, what I was gonna say is you know some magazine some guns only hold you know some magazines only hold ten rounds right I think drop between seven and ten I don't think he dropped you know fourteen or sixteen which right. is like a high capacity magazine but um. You know, uh, you know. After after this little show of uh, nonviolence, uh, Io and two other Dora Milaje uh, come in from off stage or off camera and 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 uh, take uh, a secure um, uh, possession or or, or secure um, uh, Baron Zemo in their custody, right. and. Basically, as they lead Zemo away, uh, Io tells him that he's, they're going to take him to the raft, which is, a, uh, which is an important note. Right. But also, what, did you or like, why would you? And like, I know, I know the reason why that's, why that's going to happen, because we, we know that's kind of fortunate, possibly foreshadowing a thing that might end up happening uh, later in the, in the MCU. But I'm sitting here, I was exactly thinking this, like, why would you go to that? You could have, he was safer in, well, maybe not in Wakanda, but like wherever y'all had him, well, it wasn't safer then because clearly he got out. But regardless, I'm like, you could have put him anyway, you know, good and well. My first thought was like, the raft gets broken out of, in and out of. <laughs> on a regular basis why would well, you do the, that i was about to say that's the that's the that's the comic book version right uh the raft in the mcu apparently as far as we know has only had one breakout and that was steve rogers right. breaking out his civil war compatriots right breaking in uh, and out but still exactly, um exactly. but um but ultimately as uh, just before uh, Io leaves, Bucky says he's got one last favor to ask of them. Mm-hmm. To which we will find out later on what that what, what that is, but uh, we don't get that now. Oh yeah, she also tells him she's like, yeah, you might want to steer clear of uh, Wakanda for a while because you're um, 
<laughs> you're uh there's some bad blood between because no, of more like persona non grata you right. know he's not welcome for at least a little while right and he was like yeah you're right <laughs> so cut to um and like he said and like uh agent seven said that's when she that's when bucky asked for the favor then it cuts to baltimore where sam goes back to uh visit isaiah bradley um before um right after holland at um elijah um on the street playing some ball and um and he has a shield with him and uh the 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 Isaiah's talking to him you know and it's like nope don't take that out I don't need to see it um I know exactly what it is I don't need to see it but then they go inside and they talk and this was probably the the um, this is probably the scene that probably got me the most in this episode like pretty much I, the um not necessarily enjoy, but it was like just kind of just kind of glued to because you can see because uh, uh, Carl Lumbly just you know uh, having his moment and talking to Sam uh, about about the um, uh, about the, what actually happened uh, back uh, back in the day and, and why he got put how he got put in jail you know and Sam just kind of taking it in and actually and um. Uh, Anthony McLean actually showing a little bit more chops, acting chops by, by his reactions, you know, because some people are saying like, like he's not that great, but you know, like no, nah, he was actually, you know, he. Listen, he, he went to Juilliard. Right, exactly. Like he, no, I'm he, just saying. He did what he's the only to do. reason why I bring this up, I, I I was listening to, uh, what is it, the Questlove, uh, podcast? Oh yeah, mm-hmm. and they had they had Anthony Mackie as a guest on, and it made me laugh. Mm-hmm. Um, he's, he's definitely an actor who is not familiar with the source material. Right. Um, you know, which, uh, which is obviously not surprising, you know, hardly any of these actors are, um, hardcore geeks like that, but, um, ultimately, you know, he is an actor, uh, uh on a side note, he did have a funny story about, um, being Clarence in eight mile. Um, apparently the reaction that we saw after, uh, 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 rabbit, AKA Eminem goes at him, mm-hmm. uh, in the, in the final battle mm-hmm. is real because that whole rap is based on, uh, Anthony Mackie's real life. So it got very personal. <laughs> oh, damn. I've never seen an email, so I don't, I don't what? yeah, that's funny. <laughs> So that's kind that's, of, that's funny. That's kind of amusing. Um, but anyway, but getting back to getting back to this, as, as Cat was mentioning and describing, uh, you know, this is this is the real heart to heart that Isaiah Bradley and Sam Wilson were kind of fated to have mm-hmm. once Isaiah Bradley was introduced into the series, and it's and and it's really about. Um, about about Isaiah Bradley's lived experience and Sam Wilson's hope for something better. Right. And how you can be both. You can have both. You know, you can you can definitely have some uh you know, you, you can definitely be educated by by Isaiah's experience, but Sam at this point is still trying to figure out whether or not he's going to choose um uh Isaiah's cynicism 
mixed with bitterness as a, as a result of his lived experience, as opposed to what Sam Wilson is hoping to, 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 uh, to have happen, what he's hoping to see, uh, uh, you know, hoping to see manifest itself in the future, you know, given his experiences so far, his own experiences so far. Right. And you could kind of see the moment that he kind of gets to the realization of what he, what he, what he, what he, uh, what we feel like he's probably going to about to do. Um, right. he still has to, he still has to take some time. And right. actually the, the next segue is about him taking that time. Uh, because at this point they realize that, and, and this is something that they discussed, uh, with, uh, Joaquin Torres is that, Carly and the Carly Morgenthau and the Flag Smashers have gone to ground and they are basically going to lay low until they make their move. So until there is a lead on their whereabouts, you know, right, like I said, for them to do. Right. Like I said earlier, they've been ordered, you know, they've been benched, as Sam Wilson puts it, by the government. So they've been asked to sit this one out, at least for now. Mm-hmm. So they're not out actively hunting leads. So uh, Sam Wilson has some time on his hands. And right. uh, as, as I was saying earlier, he is going to take this time to to uh, to uh, consider everything that uh, Isaiah Bradley has said and, and, and see if he can't come to some sort of see if he can't reconcile that with his own feelings. Right. And there was a mention of the 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 um, the 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 333rd, the 332nd uh, squad and the Red Tails, which was a good, uh, um, you know, real life callback. Um, that was mentioned during this whole during the scene, and you know, like I said, you could just um, you know, this, it was a it was a great scene. I thought, you know, of, between um, uh, Carl Lumbly and um, Anthony Mackie. So um, I think I watched it twice, actually. Um, no, it's good. I mean, because at the end of the day, that's really what uh, you know. What's fun? You know what's funny? Mm-hmm. It's really the discussion that fleshes out. Sam Wilson's motivation, right? As opposed to what happened in the comics, right? Oh, Sam yeah. Wilson in the MCU has a much stronger motivation for becoming Captain America than he does in the comics. But unfortunately, you know the that that has to do somewhat with you know the the storytelling devices that brought uh, the 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 shield and the mantle to Sam Wilson, right? And speaking of that. Com- Right, and, and speaking of that, so I, I, I think we might have lightly mentioned this, like before we go on real quick, but um, we kind of mentioned this about uh, Sam's background being changed in, in the MCU because Sam in the comics grew up in Harlem, was was born and raised in Harlem. This Sam right. is from like New Orleans, I mean uh, New Orleans, not New, New, uh, Louisiana. So, and that kind of comes into play in this because. And I don't know if this was intentional on their part, but it felt like they were like, well, Sam being from the South understands, you know, that a black man in the South, you know, they mentioned right. He actually mentions it. So, so I would, so I was like, they didn't necessarily have to do that to, to make that, you know, to make that connection, but I understand why they did it. You know, like it's, it's kind of weird that they did it, but they didn't necessarily have to do that. Right. They also they also you they also incorporated uh, Anthony Mackie's own personal right uh, uh, well, we did uh, you know right. origin story as well because right. he's from that area that that part of the country right um, 
so I definitely, I definitely think that. Uh, but as I, you know, but without beating this particular point to death, I definitely think that the motivations and the characterizations were really fleshed out. Oh yeah. Uh, for uh, the Falcon eventually taking on uh, the mantle of Captain America, much more so than it was in the comics. I thought it was very strong. Uh, uh, you know, I thought it was very strongly formulated uh, character arc. Right. Yeah. Definitely. Definitely a little bit more poignant than than um, than how the the comic book uh, version went. Um, right. So, I was about to say poignant and pointed because right. they they definitely make some serious points here that, you know, because of the nature of the way, uh, as I said, Sam Wilson takes the shield, picks up the shield in the comic books, they really can't address. Right. They do it tangentially, but not as directly as this. Mm-hmm. And with that, we move on to the fact that... And that's, that, that's the benefit of an adaptation. Right. You know, sometimes you can, yeah, you can kind of do that. Um, sometimes they, I'm actually slightly surprised that they actually did touch it to the, to, to, to get that pointed with it. But you know, it, um, it, well, that's where they were. I think that's where they were really going in this series. Right. That's what that, that, I think that was the primary premise of this story. Right. But I'm just saying a lot of times, you, you know, and TV shows kind of like the gloss over certain things and, um, and why this didn't go deep, deep, deep in it, but it touched on it more than you think it, it you know, it, then it would have. Yeah. I, I definitely agree with that. So, um, but yeah, so we're moving on to Sam goes back, uh, goes back to his, uh, to go back to his family's boat with his sister and, and her kids. Uh, they're trying to, they're basically trying to. Right. No, I was about to say, so at this point we get a little bit of Forrest Gump. Yes. Uh, here. <laughs> A little bit. There's a couple of Forrest Gump elements here, which kind of made me chuckle yeah. when I thought about it when I was watching. But go ahead. Yeah. So um, um, they're trying to determine how how to fix the boat or with it before they sell it or uh, and whatnot. So Sarah's like, uh, you know, you need to be off saving for the world. She's like, and Sam's like, I could do, you know, you're 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 part of my world, and you know, you know, I. I I'm a, I can do both basically, but but you know, y'all are part of my world, so I'm gonna be here with y'all, you know. Um, and then, and I think Sarah does kind of bring up, it's like, oh, they benched you, huh? <laughs> like, yeah, but still, you know, that, like it wasn't to that point, but it was kind of close to close to it. So, um, they get the plan to kind of call in the favors, uh, from the community because apparently, you know, their parents, you know, did a lot in the community. So they get the idea to like kind of call in those favors and people started, um, you know, after a, well, I guess this was the start of the montage. I mean, the start of the um, it's not a training montage, but it was the start of the montage. And that Sam starts calling people, and they start uh, you know getting people involved, and then they start everybody starts pitching in the, the, to um, to fix up the boat, um, and you know they kind of all came together and do that. And then we see uh, Bucky starts coming through, which this part was kind of a trip because um, Bucky comes in to deliver, lends a hand. And uh, also um, delivers a briefcase, which I kind of want that briefcase, which was a, a Wakandan briefcase. Um, we kind of figure at this point we know what that is. But, you know, he doesn't open it right after the bat. And he's just like, hey, I'm just here to drop this off and, you know, whatnot. And, um, but he ends up staying to help out. Uh, Bucky meets uh, Sam's sister, basically gives her a "How you doing?" <laughs> <laughs> and Sam, Sam was like, 
what's what's going on here? <laughs> and and so, you can see you kinda kinda so see hand, Yeah. No, I was just gonna say the hand that Bucky lends is obviously him showing off a little bit. Yes. He's got not only the vibranium bionic arm, but some form of a super soldier serum flowing through his veins. So he picks up this gigantic crate of uh oh, yeah. chip parts. You know, they're on a pallet. And Sam basically says, how are we going to get that off the truck? And all of a sudden, they they magically levitate off the truck. And lo and behold, it is uh, uh, James Buchanan Barnes lifting it up and, and, and taking and, and, and taking it uh, off the truck. Right. And that's where we get the stuff that I just talked about um, uh, prior to him saying that. But, right. um but yeah, and um, you know, like Bucky's a little bit flirting with Sarah, and Sarah's like, "Yeah, oh, yeah I see you over there." But um, <laughs> um, so yeah, there was that, and then actually something else with that was kind of interesting came out of this too, because that's something I hadn't thought about either. Because Sam asked Bucky as he was, because so Sam was trying to tighten up this bolt or whatever the case may be, and Bucky came along and helped him on after that whole session. Um, and he was like, why didn't you use a metal arm? And he was like, I'm right-handed. I don't even think about it. What? No, no. Oh. I'm looking at lock score. <laughs> Broadcat knows, and, and, yeah. and, and folks on the show should know that I am, you know, during certain uh, parts of the year, I am paying attention to sports as they go, as they uh, occur while we are on the show. Yes. So, you know, I may ex- I may make some sort of excited exclamation or try to muffle uh, swearing. Right. Or uh, ask me if and I said Roddy Cat saw me said. nodding my head in, 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 in disappointment at uh, some results that hit, hit my screen. So, mm-hmm. so with that, uh, like I said, we kind of continue getting this whole montage of uh, uh, Bucky helping Sam out. And, of course, we get like some little bit of flexing with the, with the arm in a couple of cases and, you know, um, Leading up into uh, uh, Sam and Bucky took 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 a water pump or something to 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 apart at the end of it, and Sarah was like, "No, you got to go because you don't know what you're doing." So, um, but this is kind of starts their their bonding moment also, and and I think this is probably where Sam is like, um, like, yeah, you can help out, but don't don't flirt with my sister, (laughs) right? I think that comes right. along, right? And and obviously it's a fishing boat, but as I as I mentioned earlier, jokingly, uh, I definitely thought that this was uh, you know a shrimp boat, and uh, you know this is not the first kind of uh, uh, Forrest Gump type uh, hint that we get here. But yeah, you know it's definitely reminiscent of Forrest going to fix up a a raggedy old shrimp boat, um, you know uh, that he kind of gets a. Uh, that if if you're not familiar with Forrest Gump, for goodness sake, this is not a spoiler for that older movie. But Forrest Forrest ends up uh, buying an old boat yeah. that is, you know, maybe on its last legs. But he puts some sweat and tear, heart, you know, some hard sweat, uh, blood, sweat, and tears into it. Yep. One Lieutenant Dan, I believe, is also there. Right. No, he comes after he fixes up the boat. Right. Or you know, he doesn't completely fix the boat, but it's work. It's it's running. But in any event, in any you know, yeah. we segue at this point to back to our not so favorite John Walker, who is visiting Lamar Hoskins's family to give them uh, uh, his version of the story of what happened, and that is exactly what happens. Yes, it's one of those times point. when 
you know, when, when, if you believe a lie, you, you believe you believe it to be true, and and it comes across more truthfully. Um, but uh, while Lamar's parents accept John Walker's version of events, Lamar's sister is not so accepting. I'm and... glad you picked up on that. I'm glad you did. <laughs> Right, no, I mean, it was clear that she right. she was giving him the side eye mm. uh, during the entire performance that John Walker was putting on. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, uh, uh, Lamar's parents, Lamar's mom, you know, tries to make John Walker feel good about, you know, what happened, you know, that, that Lamar was proud about serving next to him and proud about being Captain America's partner and, and, and that he was that he told her that every day was an honor mm. to be his partner. And it was just a, you know, just a sad show of uh, uh, of John Walker being uh, uh, untruthful to, to 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 the parents of his fallen comrade. Right, because it was a, it was pretty much a lie of omission because because the dad straight up asked like, did you get the you know did you get the guy who you know who who killed no the they boy? did no no he absolutely lied he they did ask that why well, no 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 but what I'm saying is a lie of omission because he didn't say it was. Carly, he said it was a guy, oh. but but also he was you know going back to the he did get somebody, but just not the the actual person who did it. So yeah, it was it was a lie yeah, on both fronts. If you go back, I'm pretty sure he's straight up lying. Like it's not even omitting <laughs> because I think he says something like I got the guy that did it. Right, but uh, the, but it wasn't the guy that did it. Is what I'm saying. Oh right, right. Well, there's the lie. Right. So that's not that's not an omission per se. But you know, all the legal parsing aside, yeah. uh, we get. Um, you know, we get another segue to uh, Sharon Carter making a phone call to somebody, right? Uh, offering them a job, and that uh, this particular somebody would still be rotting in an Algerian prison if it wasn't for her. And, if that's and plus, not a hint, I don't know what is this person double this time. I'm sorry, I said, and that's not a hint. I don't know what is because as, right. as, as soon as she said that, I was like, oh wait, you mean to tell me she was behind that? <laughs> You know, uh, which we'll find out who that person is in a few minutes or in a minute. Um, yeah, but cut back to Sam and Bucky at, at um, Sam's place. And um, I think this. Oh, wait, this is I think this was a scene that scene that started off with um, Bucky waking up on the couch, right? I think so. Yeah. So Bucky wake, waking up on the couch and the kids were playing with the sword. I mean, with the shield. And he wakes up, sees them with the shield, and they was like, "Put it back, put it, put it back!" Like he wasn't gonna see him. <laughs> but uh, but then to go outside and, and um, I think it cuts to Sam and, and uh, Bucky kind of playing frisbee with the shield or practicing. Right. Excuse me. It's but, a uh, light. It's a light catch. Yes. So they so they had set up some trees for for I guess Sam to practice on, and I, I would assume. Could it be assumed that Bucky was kind of giving him a little some pointers on the shield, or is it just? I think it's just, and this is something that this is something that comes up later on in a training montage right. is that Sam is still a regular guy, right? You know, he may be a very fit and strong guy, but it's <laughs> a lot easier to play frisbee with the shield when you are a super soldier, or have and... a hand, or have a metallic arm. Or both, yeah. In yeah. yeah. So, in you know, so so this is all. This was always my my quip, my my quibble with uh, Sam in the comics. I'm like, come on, he, sh- he shouldn't be able to throw the shield the way Cap does. And thankfully, they they didn't 
have him do that. And they actually incorporated that into one of the stories mm. where he actually loses possession of the shield because he can't recover it uh, from a throw that he makes. Right. And to be uh, fair, uh, they did in the comics kind of have a, have him at the motions and not being able to, like, even before that, you know, they they showed where he's just like, yeah, he wasn't as good with it as, as nowhere near as good with it as Steve with it. And that, and actually you could almost go ahead and say that like, we don't get to see any of this, but maybe Steve before whatever happened gave Sam some pointers on how to, how to, how to throw the shield here. And maybe they're just practicing because, you know, I don't know what it is. Like, right. that's, that's, yeah, that's conjecture at its finest. Because right. we just don't know. Exactly. But ultimately what we get here is, uh, you know, the two of them going over what we now find out is uh, Sam's uh, what we now, what we now find out is Cap's plan, which was unbeknownst to all of us at the end of Endgame. Mm-hmm. And what we find out is that, you know, that there's um, that uh, the, the that Bucky reveals that Steve Rogers had already discussed this plan of his with Bucky, that he was going to give the shield to Sam and that Sam admits, uh, Bucky admits that neither uh, Steve nor Bucky really considered what it would be like for a black man to be handed the shield, mm-hmm. and that they needed that that he uh, was apologizing both on his own behalf and Steve's behalf um, for for not thinking about that when this decision was made. Right, and I feel like that because I, I feel like we had had that discussion on whether they had that conversation. Back when we talked about in, back when we talked in Endgame, and I kind of feel like it was like, yeah, that makes some more sense. That's why it was so easy for Bucky to be like, yeah, here you go, you know, you know, because it's like there's no way in the world he would didn't already know that that was a, a thing back right. then. So it's probably it's implied, back to that. Right. right? It's implied because of some things, and and obviously this is going back to Endgame, but it's implied that because he says I'm going to miss you, he knows what's going to happen, right? And the second half of that is. Uh, Bucky nudging Sam forward because he knows what's about to happen. Right. So, but it's all implied. You know, we're all left thinking about what is actually happening happening at the time. Right. But getting back to this episode, um, uh, you know, part. Bucky basically, you know, there's a little bit of an exchange here. Mm-hmm. First, it's Bucky giving Sam this apology and explaining what was, you know, explaining what his thinking is on, on, on some of the, uh, uh, some of his feelings on the shield. And then Sam comes back and says that, you know, as part of Bucky's, uh, ongoing therapy and his recovery from being the winter soldier, uh, he still needs to uh, come to grips with uh, what he's done and take charge of his own life and not worry about what Steve Rogers or what anybody else thinks. Mm-hmm. So I kind of wonder if he's going to end up going back to the um, uh, Yaka, uh, Nakayama and telling him what happened to his son. I would like to think so. That's yeah. probably, you know, you know, when we get to the end of this and we when we start uh, thinking about what might happen in the last episode, I would like to think that we get some closure on that. Right. Because it uh, seems kind of weird to bring that up and just drop it, if for you know. Yeah, I would hope I would hope that they close that particular loop. Hmm. But getting back to this, getting back to this episode, at this point, uh, as I said, Sam, uh, Sam gives what he calls some tough love to Bucky when he give when he tells him all that uh, that I was just referring to, hmm. um, uh, and and as you said. Uh, 
Sam actually says that there are people who need closure and Bucky's the only person who can give it to them. And, you know, without Sam knowing, Bucky absolutely knows exactly where that mean what that means. And he's, he says there's like a dozen, more than a dozen people that could apply to, but we know of one specific person that that can apply to, mm-hmm. uh, that being uh, Yori Nakajima. Uh, right. Uh, so, so Bucky, Bucky, uh, you know, Bucky leaves Sam, uh, you know, and basically saying that uh, when they get a lead on Carly, you know, when he, uh, he basically says when when he gets any info on Carly, let him know. Mm-hmm. And uh, we get a training montage. Yes. Uh, with, and, the, with the yes, with the theme song in tow, uh, we see Sam uh, practicing with the shield and, you know, having some. At first, first blush, not so good. Um, not so good um, tosses results. going on. Yes, yes. results going on. A couple comically, but also I'm like, wait, did it? <laughs> like, I know he was in front of the house or near the house. I'm like, did it hit the house or anything when it when it flew past him? <laughs> I mean, it, it's. <laughs> You know, there's got to be some damage to when he doesn't catch it. Right. You know, exactly. wherever it goes. And you know what's funny? There's a couple of things that I don't know if you noticed. Um, first thing, obviously, here's the other uh, Forrest Gump type reference where you see, uh, you know, run, Sam, run. You oh, know? he's running around the house. Yeah. Right. They also, and, and, and it's also interesting that you get the kids calling him Uncle Sam a couple of times. I did see. Yeah. I mean, I yeah, that, which, which. I saw that in a in a video that I was watching on that, and I'm sitting like they were doing that, and the, they when uh, they were doing that anyway because they did that in the, the episode when they came in, so that wasn't any different. But yeah, it just it was just noted here. It's a stronger hint, right? Right, a stronger hint in what at, at what direction they're going to take the character. Another thing that I think is worth noticing here is you know obviously there's the the Forrest Gump running. Um, you know, uh, he's getting his cardio in and he's getting, uh, getting some more fitness in and strength training, but we also see a slightly different way for Sam to catch the shield. If you notice Mm -hmm. a couple of times, he's catching it by the straps, not in the really unrealistic way that people seem to sheathe. You know, they, they seem to put their arms right through the loops as the shield is coming to them. Right. Everyone from the door, Melage to uh, John Walker are able to do this without any sort of uh, super soldier serum right. uh, in them. I'm like, wait, that's not, that's not, that's just wrong, right? <laughs> that's not supposed to be how it works. Right. But one thing I noticed about how Sam is catching the shield as he's going through this training montage is that he actually gets his hands under the shield and catches the straps before he gets conked in the head with the shield. Right. You know, and that's a different way because Cap being Cap, uh, when I say Cap, I'm, I really mean Steve Rogers. Of course. Right. Cap being Cap catches the shield, you know, on edge because he can. Right. So can Bucky because he's already done that, you know, in the Winter Soldier, and he's done it a couple of times since. And, he's but got, ultimately, and again, and like Cap had a super, had super soldier serum in him, so right. So ultimately, and 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 it's a it's a testament to uh, uh, Sam Wilson's as you know in in his soon to be, and you know this is not a really big spoiler in his soon to be role as Captain America, he's just going to be a different Captain America. Mm-hmm. And it's not going to be the Captain America that we're used to, but it's going to be Sam Wilson's Captain America. Um, he, you know, he's going to be catching the shield a little differently. 
he's going to Maybe. act a little differently. He's not. He may not necessarily be able to punch his way through things. So that's why he's going to, at least in this version, talk his way through some things. Right. So, um, but uh, but yeah, I noticed. I don't know if you saw that. I did. Mm-hmm. So that I thought that was a, a really subtle note. That was a couple uh, of different. You yeah, know that, how different he would be as Captain America, right? There was a couple of different ways because he did end up because I think one of the shots he did end up actually catching it by the by the edge of it. Um, I think in the last shot or some you know something like that. But it was like yeah, there was a couple of different ways that he caught it. Where and, and even when he and Bucky were practicing, you can see them both kind of catching it, like you said, by the like by the uh, by the strap. Like it was just like being sheathed. I'm sitting here like right. yeah, that is kind of crazy. Also. Um, right. Seriously, like that thing is spinning. Right. Like, how do you know? You know, whatever, man. You right. know? But also, but also, Sam's pretty much got some good reflexes because that one bounce that went over his head <laughs> that he managed to duck. I'm still like, okay, that was pretty good. You know, that thing had been getting decapitated right. by himself. Right. Because <laughs> he happened to duck one, so it's like, Shoop! you know. Which again, that was one of the ones like that had to hit something. <laughs> right. I honestly appreciated that because it definitely showed that you know it's not just anything that someone should wield. Right. You know, you need to have practice with it at the very least. So. Right. Um, so so anyway, all the way we get, right. Any any anyway, once we get past the, uh, once we get past the training montage, we get uh, uh, we segue over to uh, Carly in. I couldn't exactly place the park that they're in, but it's heavily implied that they are in Manhattan, in New York City. And it, and they're in seeming easy view of the Chrysler building, which is apparently where the GRC is going to be meeting. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Carly and uh, one of the Flag Smashers uh, are in this park uh, waiting to meet someone, and it is, and it is no... Uh, no one else other than Georges Betrock de Lepere. Hmm. And uh, he has been tasked by Sharon Carter uh, to deliver something to Carly. And uh, it turns out that uh, Batrock is in it just to try to kill the Falcon mm-hmm. because of what happened in the first episode of the series. Yep. So yeah, so that happens, and and the other flag smasher that's with Carly is like, oh, so we're so we're working with criminals now, <laughs> you know, right? Um, and Batroc's like, no, nah, I'm just here, I'm just here to, to kill the Falcon. Y'all do y'all thing, and and you know, yeah. shows shows them what they have, which is a bunch of guns and whatever the case may be, whatever it was in in that case. And then they end up uh, Carly hit something on her phone, causes a um, a notification goes off uh, all around the park, which is pretty much brings all the people. Uh, or most of the people who were in that part, you know, I guess that were followers um, closer to her. Um, excuse me. Uh, they get this is a, yeah. So we don't necessarily get to find out what they're doing there until uh, a couple of minutes later. But we we see them all coming together to get ready to do what they're going to do. Um, oh, we've got to mention that when. Um, Joaquin was talking to Sam earlier. Sam's, you know, uh, because Sam's uh, wings had gotten busted up in a previous episode, um, he had asked Sam what do you want to do with them. Sam was like, keep keep the wings. So uh, we can pretty much, I feel like we're going to see uh, Joaquin fix those wings up and become the Falcon that he's meant to be like in the, um, uh, in the comics. 
Right. Maybe not the not, same version, sorry. but yeah, exactly. Not necessarily the same version. I knew right. that's what you were going to say. Right. Um, so, you know, so, so we get, we get, uh, you know, we get Joaquin Torres, uh, telling Sam that, uh, um, you know, that ping, that, that activity that, uh, Carly sets off to draw in the other flag smashers is a, is a, is a key to their location. And Sam opens the Wakandan briefcase that Bucky had dropped off. Um, so we'll discuss what we think is in the briefcase at the uh, you know in a minute, but ultimately this uh, this episode ends with um, the meeting of the GRC members, the Global Relocation uh, Committee. Uh, they're voting on the Patch Act, which is supposed to move uh, twenty million refugees back to their countries of origin. Um, you know they're arguing over it. To... Say again. I thought it may or may not be a reference to Wolverine, but. We're gonna keep it right. I, I doubt that, but <laughs> I know. But hmm. right. So, but in any event, um, you know, before the vote can go through, um, the GRC has been infiltrated by the Flag Smashers, and they basically interrupt the proceedings, and uh, you know, basically put a hold to everything. So uh, there is an end credit scene after this. Yes, there is. Uh, which involves. Uh, a callback to, and it's an ironic callback to uh, Tony Stark in the Middle East, where he is uh, working on the original Iron Man Mark One, and it is the clanging of a hammer against the raw or bare metal. But in this case, it is John Walker creating his own shield. Um, using uh, you know, metal apparently that he's scrounged up with, and he's putting some ugly welds on, mm-hmm. and he's using his own medals of honor to weld onto the shield itself as a reminder for him. Right, and I feel like so I, I know this kind of sort of came up in the current uh, miniseries, the U.S. Agent miniseries about him losing shields because of they were they're not you know. They're not made of vibranium. They're pretty much, uh, you know, cheap knockoffs that he doesn't get. Not knockoffs, but he's probably be. But I don't know. Like, did did we even know he had this kind of skills to be doing metal work like this before? Nope. So I'm like, he's just like banging out on like he like he's Tony Stark in the cave, like you said. But um um, which I, I noticed somebody did mention that um, uh, out there. But um, so I was like, okay, yeah, this is the thing. So. Yeah, he's making a shield. He's doing this thing. We we were probably going to see U.S. Agent um, um, next episode, or at least the tease right. of it, right? Uh, so and, yeah, go ahead. right. I was about to say. So if, if you don't have anything else for the end of the episode, I would just wrap with thoughts. But I think the first thing I would want to ask is what you think is in the case. Oh, I mean, that's easy. It's wings. Do you think? that they would also provide him a vibranium uh, suit to help protect him. Possibly. I feel, I mean, it could very well be the whole suit. To give him but... more, right, to give him more of uh, uh, protection in battle because as, you know, we kind of harp on and, and one of the things that Sam, uh, uh, you know, makes plainly clear is that he's still a regular dude. He's not a super soldier. Right. So he needs a little bit of extra protection mm-hmm. in the field. So I wonder if they're going to give him like a vibranium mesh uniform. 
Maybe possible. Now we and we also this is also kind of follows. If this is the case, it does follow in the comments because he does end up getting uh, his. I believe his his original wings came from Vibranium uh, from from uh, Wakanda. No, the ones yeah, the ones he had now. Oh, I'm not sure about the ones he has now. No, they they, they do they they, they are because they, I remember mm-hmm. saying in the in probably in the the last Captain America or when he was Captain America or something like. But they did they did say it was a. Uh, vibranium so yeah uh but it's just like a newer version of obviously um right but he's he's still wearing basically a spandex suit pretty much um uh in the comics whereas you know i i honestly hope that they give him you know and it's very generous obviously to give somebody who's not the king of wakanda vibranium mesh suit um but they're 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 probably gonna take him out though What's that? They're probably going to give him a lot of a, a good bit of take, even if they don't just do a whole, you know, a whole vibranium suit. Like the tech's going to be on point. Possibly. Yeah. Possibly. You know, but 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 you know, I, I think my only, you know, I, I I think we're all in agreement that they're a new set of wings. It's yeah. just a matter of whether totally. or not they give him a uh, a tricked out suit so that he is better protected as the Falcon. Hmm. You know, I mean, as as Captain America, but when I say as the Falcon, I really mean like he's unpowered. Right. And now, will they go full? Um, like that would be kind of presumptuous, but maybe not. But like, will they go? If they do give him a suit, will it be a version of his current comic book suit, or not? Not the current comic book, suit, but what his, his Captain cap America, suit? right? Like, will they I give a certain version of that? I think so. It'll be it'll it'll be an adaptation of it, mm-hmm. which means he won't have wing head. You know, he he'll still have um, goggles probably because he's going to be flying, right? And he's going to have an exposed head, right? Yeah, like I can see that. So yeah, that's what I that's what I foresee. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, my, it's my hope that they give him a, a vibranium mesh suit so that he can be better protected. <laughs> We shall see. We shall see. And in a few short hours from this recording uh, is when the Falcon and Fincher's Soldier, the last episode of Falcon and Winter Soldier, episode six, will arrive on our streaming service, uh, Disney+. Plus. So, And, we, of course, next week we will definitely let you guys know how that turns out. Right. Uh, but, yeah, uh and with that, we will go over and start to to get over to the comic book news. I'm mean, not the comic book news, excuse me, into comic book uh, reviews, not news. Um, and we're going to start off with, I believe we said, Avengers number 45. Right. So, um, let's see, Avengers number 45, written by Jason Aaron. Art by Luca Maresca. Um, right. This is. Uh, I, I made a. I made a reference earlier. I made a joke earlier before the show that uh, this week seemed to be filled with fill-in artists, and this is a name that is unfamiliar to me. So, uh, you know, it was interesting to see a new name on the Avengers art list. A list of artists that is. Right. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. Because there was a couple of names uh, from the stuff that I read. It was like I don't. I don't. I don't know these people. But um, color art. Color artist uh, David Curiel and lettering by VCs Corey Pettit. 
Uh, so if you want to go ahead and hit that off. Sure. So this is the aftermath of King in Black. And I know that Roddy Cat has not read King in Black. He does know, I'm presuming, lots of the broad stroke stuff. Pretty much. Yeah. Um, you know, the king, uh, Null, the King in Black, uh, has been repelled. And now the Avengers are trying to slowly get back into their own swing of things. Uh, the first several uh, pages of the book involve um, some of the routines, the daily routines that uh, the current roster of Avengers goes th- go through on a daily basis. We have uh, uh, Captain America beating the world record for running a mile by a minute and 15 seconds. <laughs> this, first, this first part was kind of funny because, it's like, yeah, we see Cap doing that and was like, yep, delete the record. And then we see uh, pretty much we see um, Carol uh, been pressing a whole lot of weight and it was in the, the mountains. I'm like, yeah, you just beat this record, delete it. And everybody's pretty much doing things and deleting their records. Or right, doing superhuman things. Right. With the exception of Tony. Well, I guess Tony also, but yeah. Right. They're doing extraordinary things. We'll put it that way. Yeah. Uh, including Thor getting drunk enough to anesthetize, <laughs> anesthetize hmm. a herd of full-grown blankety-blanks because uh, Thor cuts off the computer. Um <laughs> And, uh, you know, we get, you know, we, we get everything up to, uh, 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 Robbie Ray is not picking up the, or at least listening to, to messages and, um, and, and blade running, um, mandroid automated mandroid combat, uh, training, which was uh, weird. Right. So T'Challa is, you know, going through his, um, extensive uh, work schedule and rescheduling meetings and going through um uh uh with going through it with his um computer computerized assistant which apparently takes on the form of king tachaka mm-hmm. and i think yeah, uh, i think the the mountain or whatever ai they got working in the, the mountain is pretty much taking form of something close to to to, to each to individual ones. and they also got spotify apparently not necessarily true, but you know, <laughs> they have, right. they have their own, uh, Alexa. Exactly. Exactly. So, uh, you know, we get a little bit of a hint of what is about to transpire in this, um, issue as a result of, uh, what happened in King and black. And, you know, obviously Roddy cat has read this now, so it is not a big spoiler, but spoiler alert for anyone who hasn't, uh, read this issue yet or anyone who has not read king in black spoiler alert so one of the groups that apparently lent their hand to the effort to repel the null invasion were the vampires in the vampire nation uh that uh currently take up residence in the uh, radioactive wasteland surrounding the chernobyl nuclear power plant Mm -hmm. and um uh Kyle Richmond you know one of the members of the uh the the, the squadron supreme uh is in in his civilian guise as uh, a congressman basically is uh in conference with T'Challa about what Dracula King Dracul or count yeah count Dracula or count Dracul is uh is is looking to do uh in the footsteps of uh the mutants on Krakoa which is to establish uh, an autonomous drac- uh, vampire nation, uh, as I said, um, located around the uh, radioactive wasteland of Chernobyl. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, and this I'm, is all this is all based on the fact that you know they 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 put their necks on the line. Oh, that's a pun. They're vampires. Um, they put their they put themselves on the line against Null, and they're saying, "Look, we you know we we we're we're contributing to society. Yes, we're vampires, but you should recognize us the same way you recognize mutants." And that's the crux of their argument. Mm-hmm. I thought that was a pretty de- interesting spin that Dracula put on it. As being like they 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 um they call us monsters, but we're actually you know immune uh what's it called immune immune deficient uh people who you know or, or vitamin deficient I think vitamin yeah, or nutrient like yeah yeah you know but they but they choose to call us monsters and, and yeah going to going into how they want their you know sovereignty and this and that and other. I'm like that's a as as you said, just like the Krakoans, I was like, yeah, I picked that up too. Um, I'm sitting like, all right, that was an interesting way to play it, I guess. Because <laughs> I'm sitting like, where is this going? Um, I'm like, oh, but there you go. So, which is kind of curious given what's going on, which obviously, you know, the the, the time frame that comics go on, especially this one, um, in relation to what's going on in Wolverine, who I believe is still dealing with the vampires. Right. Um, is, is a little off. So, you know, um, probably that's probably happened. Happening. They, they might be, they might be happening in conjunction with each other. Right. Because, we don't know. So because of what happens, right. Because of what hap- what we find out at the end of the, uh, at the end of this issue. Right. So, so I, as, um, Roddy Cat said there is some some uh, possible you know, there are some possible uh, interconnected stories between this and the pages of uh, Wolverine, but in the meantime we we catch up with uh, some of the other members of uh, the Avengers um, coming off the wake of the uh, the Phoenix uh, story that just ended in the last issue, and we have uh, Robbie and Maya Lopez basically. Uh, uh, breaking bread, kind of have a little bonding moment, yeah. And I guess Robbie is being a little presumptuous and welcoming Maya to the Avengers. <laughs> Maybe you know. I'm like, wait, who made who died and made you chairperson? I mean, look, uh, they've they've look, they've uh, added people to the roster for way less than this. So <laughs> I'm in just way saying, le- in way less uh, time. I'm, I'm, just used to like a vote, you know. I'm used to seeing everybody around the table. No, you know. I know. I, mean, it, I I agree with you that, but I've also seen that was like you're in the fight, you're an Avenger, right? You know, he's he's pulling a a, a Hawkeye and and Wanda moment, right? Kind of. Uh, so, um, but um, but uh, you know, we, we we segue over to a few days later when. Uh, uh, you know the the vampires are starting to get some some deliveries of blood uh, of blood supplies for their you know for their uh, for their consumption as gifts, mm-hmm. and um, the Avengers are um, surrendering one of their um, prisoners of war, the uh, the sergeant who looks like a dog um, from the last time from the time that they tried to invade uh, Avengers Mountain. Mm-hmm. And what we get here is the laying the the, the presentation of terms uh, from the uh, world, uh, you know, from the countries of the world and Wakanda uh, and, and the Avengers. And what 
the vampires get in return for recognition of their sovereignty <laughs> is uh, the imposed, the imposition of a particular brand of uh, lawman. I was going to say, they get Reggie Hammond, but not really. <laughs> from, from, from what, another 48 hours? From 48 hours, but no, nah, I mean, no. So. From another 48 hours from the second one? I was thinking, well, I I don't remember the second one all that much, so... Um... <laughs> I get, it, I get, it, I got you, I got you. But sure, you know, we'll go with that. No, I mean I, the only reason why I was thinking of the second one is because he comes in and says, "Anybody else want a limp?" You know, that's kind of like what. No, that was the first one. Oh, was it? Yeah, oh, it was the first one. I'm misremembering. So yeah, so but yeah, because because uh, yeah, that was when he was in the the. Um, I think it was in the, when they were in the bar, and that's where he was pulling right. like the pulling the thing. Yeah, so that was the first one. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, but yeah, so he pulls that and apparently Blade is now the new sheriff of Vamp Town, or as he, as he says it. <laughs> right. Which I'm like, that's a weird way to go with this, but that's interesting. Also, right, because they're I, not going to concede all of, they're not going to concede all of, uh, to all of, uh, Dracula's demands. Right. So it's interesting that they would put the one daywalker, the one daywalker in charge of, uh, uh, policing the vampire nation, right? Uh, and he's basically like, "Like, yep, I'll be, I'll be here when y'all wake up, and I'll, and I'll be there when y'all go to when y'all to make sure y'all go to sleep or when y'all go to sleep." So, <laughs> yeah, it was pretty. It was a pretty interesting twist at the end of this issue. I, I weirdly enough, I kind of read that like uh, Marion from um, from Raiders of the Lark. I'm your new god doggone partner, but except for I'm the sheriff. Um, so yeah, but we also, oh, also, I, I, this is a really small point, uh, very, very small point, but Namor shows up on the cover, does not show up anywhere in this book. I mean, in this issue. So, but what we do get is a teaser for the new, um, Moon Knight, uh, ongoing that's going to, uh, that is coming by and, uh, it's going to be written by Jed McKay, who we already like. So, right. And it was actually, it was actually, uh, announced in previews for July mm -hmm. that came out earlier today. Right. So it was interesting timing. Also interesting timing that this, um, cause at first I was like, all right, we know it just takes place after King and Black. Um, we didn't know how far along it did, but it did, but what also comes after Beta Ray Bill number one, which... I guess that, that there was a point in them doing saying that that the I mean, bringing that part up with the Thor whole Thor thing, but at least we get some sort of a time frame. But overall, Avengers forty five is this is where we at, and I guess we're gonna move back over to whatever's going into the Phoenix stuff later. I don't know. I have no idea where we're going. Um, uh, I mean, you know, we're, we're we're only going to get so far until we get to the whole Heroes Reborn thing, and that's pretty much. I the, the, we we suspect that's where the Phoenix stuff is going to come back. Yep. But we're not sure at this point. Yeah. All these very much leading up to it. Yeah. Right. So we're not sure how we're going to get to that point, and it's only a few. It's a it's a few more issues away until Heroes Reborn starts. So we are presuming that it's going to kick off in the pages of Avengers. Mm -hmm. So um, we'll see how we get to that point. Right. So moving right along, um, you got a book you want to? Not particularly. You know, uh, feel free to throw one out. Okay. 
Uh, let us, I guess, go towards uh, champions, I guess, real quick. Sure. Uh, sure. So, uh, champions is written by uh, Danny Lore, with art by Luciano Vecchio, colors by Federico Blee, and letters by VCs Clayton Cowles. So, we open this issue with uh, the, the the story is uh, titled Killer App, and this is the first part of this storyline. And um, we open with a break in at a at a at a bank in New York City, and it is um, being committed by some powered slash tech uh, technologically advanced um, uh, Nair duels. And the champions, uh, as they are currently um, constituted, uh, Miss Marvel, Ironheart, Nova, Viv, Vision, and Spidey Miles Morales, um, stop, you know, uh, interrupt this particular uh, bank heist and put them down only to find out that this was all set up by uh, the bank's uh, security system and... uh, the champions uh, foiled this and don't even get any credit. Or oh, actually, wait, uh, they they would be uh, the um, the test robbers would only be liable if they were attacked by uh, superheroes due to them not uh, notifying the proper channels. Right. But it turns out because of the Underage Superhuman Welfare Act, uh, aka Kamala's Law, um, they don't consider the champions a legitimate superhero team, so they do, so these uh, ne'er do wells don't get any hazard pay. Right, and also bums out the champions because they were apparently eavesdropping on the conversation that this was going down. In um, uh, after that happens, or after they right. stop the robbery, so this kind of leads to a little bit of dissent. Well, it doesn't lead to because it's it was already kind of there. So you know, this leads to a little bit more of. Um, you know the troubles within the team because, like, yeah, they, you know, after coming off the, out of outlawed and the, the law is still in place, but may or may not be uh, strict, taken down or not. So they're still kind of under that, which means that, like, uh, Agent Seven said, is like, yeah, they're not really being treated as um, other adult superhero teams would have been in that same situation, um, or in a situation that that they thought it was going to be. Um, and this kind of leads to a little bit of fighting, and Riri uh, leaves because she's kind of, you know, tired. But you could also see something happening during the course of the fight, and so they're still kind of going through it uh, with all that stuff. So uh, Miss Marvel's talking to to Viv Vision, and uh, Riri and Miles are talking, you know, in their respective corners or in their respective places uh, about things, or and at different times. Um, but it all pretty much comes back down to the fact that um, Roxxon, well, we, this kind of goes from that to goes to Roxxon and this whole, uh, I, I've seen a lot of, we've been seeing a lot of stories lately that have something to do with social media uh, and the use of in the comics lately. And I don't know how to feel about it because, or, or some sort of social media leanings. And I think there's been a couple of times this week that that, that ended up happening. But Roxxon's making a, a social media app, and they're kind of touting it. And Snow Guard, I keep wanting to call her Snowbird, like the, right. the Alpha Flight character. Um, 
and that's probably not going to stop anytime soon, but Snow Guard is pretty much protesting um, Roxxon away from the other champions. You know, she got a group of people together to do that. Uh, and then the team at large is just kind of uh, get kind of catches wind of this and they themselves, you know, start looking into Roxxon's dealings. Uh, which leads them to go to do the plan that we saw the bit of at the end of the last episode. I mean, last exactly. issue. Exactly. Where they're going to infiltrate uh, Roxxon and try to try to take it down from the inside. And in the midst of this, we also see some Roxxon person and some person that some kid that or some young adult that I guess came out of the, the 2020 stuff. Um, that I did not read that apparently Riri knows well about because I was because because just like Sam, I was like, am I supposed to know who this person is? And because I totally didn't read the twenty twenty stuff, but apparently Riri knew about him, and you know, to some things happened, and all of that leads to the end. Uh, like I said, so I it was it was a decent read, I, I would say, but I'm I'm right. kind obviously of they're making statement. They're, they're, you know, obviously the. Uh, Danny Lore and, and 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 the editorial team—they're you know obviously going to make a statement on uh, you know the effects of social media and how you know they're not obviously they 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 can obviously be abused you know and 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 uh, used for nefarious purposes so you know that's obviously the direction that they're going in here so mm-hmm. so yeah so that that is that's champions number six. Um, oh. You want to do just like one or two more before we do uh, rapid yeah. fire? Yeah. Uh, I guess amazing. Sure. All right. So amazing Spider-Man number 64 is written by Nick Spencer with art by Federico Vicentini. Uh, colors by Alex Sinclair. I'm going to fix my typo in my sheet. Mm-hmm. And letters by VCs Joe Caramagna. So we open this issue with um, Baron Mordo trying to assist the Kingpin with uh, their kin, their their with the kindred problem that uh, the Kingpin and uh, uh, Norman Osborn have. Uh, in the mean, you know, in the meantime, um, the Kingpin's um plot to uh go after the actually uh uh check that before that actually no it's 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 obviously all a, well, one big part of this whole uh race for um the tablets that uh, the kingpin is looking for mm-hmm. um Robbie Robertson and uh and 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 uh, uh Lonnie Lincoln uh meet up at the at the in the aftermath of a battle around uh, Peter Parker's shared apartment, and uh, they get you know they they get there just after the uh, uh, the battle that we saw uh, break out at the end of last issue. Mm-hmm. Right, and then we get a little bit of a recap from uh, Peter S. Spidey about you know what happened at the end or what actually happened during the, the that whole scenario. Um, and we couldn't find out that um, apparently Spider needs uh, Robbie and, and, and Tombstone's help some kind of way, so they have to team up and, and get some information from a contact of Robbie's um, 
you know, buddy cop style, I guess you could say. <laughs> uh, so wait, so real quick, did so when Spidey came in on on um, on Robbie and Team Tombstone, he webbed both of them up. Now I could all I could see a case where Tombstone would be able to get a, get them off. How was Robbie just like just like just taking them off like that? Like maybe it was a light spritzing or webbing or not, but that seemed like a kind of. I, think I was about to say I think it's implied that it's a very light, you know, very small amount of webbing. It's just meant to you kind of break them up as opposed to tie them up. Sure, but even then, it's like, well, isn't that web? Isn't this webbing supposed to be sticking out the way it's supposed to stick? Say with you for maybe this is me thinking. Think about I was about to say so just much. blame Nora Winters. You know, maybe. It's her suits. I know, right? Which, and speaking of the suit, we come to find out it's made of unstable molecules, which apparently people can just get their hands on at this point, which actually is, you know, that's... You got me. That's legit in this, at this point, because every other time you turn around, well, unstable molecules, it wasn't, it wasn't the big thing. It's not the big thing as it used to be. <laughs> but, uh, so yeah, we get, uh, we get uh, Tombstone and Robbie. That's how the Fantastic Four gets money. Reed sells the patents. Yeah, I guess that's true. He licenses the, he licenses the patents, that is. Right. You know? Yeah. So, um, and come to find out that, um, like I said, during the course of this, we we get, get caught up with um, uh, where Randy and, and Janice Lincoln are, who, are, who have been taken by Madam Mask and Crime Master, and then there's just that whole talk between them about their stake in everything. Um, and apparently now I, maybe I must've missed that. I didn't know that Robbie knew about the tablet hunt that, uh, Peter and, and boomerang were doing. Cause he, cause he mentions it. And I'm sitting like, wait, he, he was supposed to know about that. I don't, I, whatever. <laughs> cause I'm sitting here like, well, wait, does that mean he knows he's Spider-Man or something? Cause like, okay. But, and like, there's a couple of things that doesn't make any kind of sense in, in, in some interactions. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, the, the, but it's neither here nor there. I just happened to notice that. I'm like, who, what, how, who, what? All right, cool, whatever. So regardless, after, um, after it's all said and done, and we, we get this little whole big exposition from Crime Master and Madam Math about their place in this, um, it kind of cuts back to uh, Spidey um, uh, trying to come back to collect uh, Boomerang, who's, who's woken up and gone off to, uh, as I say in my notes, gone off to die. Because <laughs> uh, he he basically leaves uh, Peter a note and says, yeah, I, I don't want to get you in trouble. I mean, I don't want to keep trolling because you're the most weakless, you're the most helpless of us all. And I'm saying like it almost sounds like he knows he's Spidey, but at the same time he says things like that, and I'm like, what is what? <laughs> um, so he's gone off, and then we get another, I guess what we call an in credit scene with. Uh, and I know this has been also announced because uh, I think we got something in the news about this. Uh, right, it's July solicits too. Right. Yeah. So the OG Doc Ock is back, and I say OG because it's not like he's technically he's bit. So what's going on with that? Do you do? Have you what? How? Or do I don't. We, do, do we? I don't propose to know that I, yet. I, I've lost track. Um, I think it. I, I blame Spencer's uh, storytelling or lack thereof for kind of getting me a little bit off track with this. I'm, you know, I, I literally was looking at my pull list and trying to, trying to figure if I wanted to add the sinister war, which is what we're going to talk about, um, to mm. come out in July. I mean, I don't know. Right. Yeah. So old, old school doc Ock is back, which at last I checked, 
he was in a clone body and living out in San Francisco. It was in a clone Peter body, I think, or something like that, in the out in San Francisco. Back when he was still doing the the back when Superior to Spider Man not Superior to Spider Man, but whatever the, the Spider Man book was at the time. Uh but it, as far as I know, we hadn't seen them since. But now we got this old, you know, this original recipe, Doc Ock, back in the mix. Chubby Doc Ock, who right. just got Rathaconned, as I say in my notes, because of the whole earwig thing. Oh, yeah. Um, and we know that has something to do with Kendrick. So, you know, and again, like like Agent 7 said, leading into whatever the Sinister War is going to be. Uh, and that's what ends this issue. So I'm like, okay, there's a lot going on here. And yeah, I'm kind of with you about the storytelling. I'm like, yeah, just, just things kind of get picked up and put, put down and just all kind of willy nilly. Um, <laughs> so we don't know what's, what Spencer's doing, but hopefully it pays off for him. Uh, that being said though, we can move on to, actually I forgot to put that book in the thing. Ha 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 ha. Um, I guess we can kind of go ahead and do rapid fire because I don't know if there's anything else in here. Honestly, that's like there's some decent stuff that came out this week, but n- nothing like you know that stands out all that well, all that much. So if you want to go ahead and spin it up, unless you got something. No, I was just looking up to see in the wiki to see if they had updated how uh, Otto gets to this point. <laughs> Because I don't remember, and I'm kind of embarrassed that neither of us know. Yeah, I'm not embarrassed about it. I think I'm just chalking it up to like either it either came up in something that we weren't reading, or it hasn't been addressed at all. Which I'm probably more inclined to think that it hasn't really been addressed. Um, I'm literally scrolling through the wiki. Like, when did this happen? Why are you doing that? Um, actually, I mean, I'll spin it up, but I'm just like I said, just very, very much annoyed. Yeah. Um, I mean, like you said, they might have, they might have just sprung this on us, um, you know, as as a part of the story, right? Because even then, because even then, because I think if I remember correctly, he said something about um, there's missing gaps in his memory, so that's kind of suggesting something. Right, um, that may or may not have had to do with what we what we knew of prior to now. Right, so you know, yeah. But um, in any event, I will spin it up and okay. uh, let's go do rapid fire. Get rapid fire. Alrighty, so we have done Avengers, Amazing, and Champions. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you read Eternals? I didn't get a chance to. Eternals number four is written by Kieran Gillen with art by Isad Rabich, colors by Matthew Wilson, and letters by VCs Clayton Cowles. So we are actually getting some story development in this issue where we have more information on the killer, the the, the person behind uh, uh, the killing of Zuras. And we also get some uh, possible hints at some uh, betrayals uh, within the Eternals. We also get uh, more description of um, 
some of the uh, the politics within the Eternal Cities. So uh, there's definitely more to this issue than there have been in the first three. Um, next up is Justice League number 60 uh, from DC, written by Brian Michael Bendis, with art by David Marquez, colors by Tamara Bonvalain, and letters by Josh Reed. So in this issue, this is the next step in the... Uh, Infinite Frontiers, uh, soft reboot of the DC comic book line. Uh, here, the Justice League has been infused with some uh, different membership. They have put Teth Adam, a.k.a. Um, uh, Black Adam, into the lineup, as well as Naomi, because this is a Bendis book. And we have uh, Queen Hippolyta taking on the mantle of Wonder Woman. Um, the crux of this initial story is that they need to bring in some new blood to the justice league as a result of um invaders from naomi's home dimension coming in and with these uh, invaders proving to be uh stupendously powerful the justice league opt to try to confront them on their home dimension territory and that does not go uh exactly as planned and that is the um uh, that is the point of the uh, cliffhanger ending at the end of the issue. Are you up on the whole Naomi thing or no? Not at all. Mm. Yeah, neither am I. I keep saying I'm going to read that uh, miniseries and, and go and finish up that um, that Young Justice run, but I didn't get you, but I haven't done it yet. So, oh well. Gotcha. Oh. Not at all. So, uh, getting back to Rapid Fire. Next up is uh, Mighty Valkyries number one. It, uh, it's a book written by Jason Aaron and Torun Grombach. There's actually two stories here in this issue. We have two. Oh, uh, by the way, there is a Justice League Dark backup story at the end of Justice League number 60. Mm. Uh the uh, Mighty Valkyries uh, has, I said, as I said, two stories in it. Um, there is a Jane Foster story written by Jason Aaron and Torun Grombach with art by Mattia de Ulis. Uh, letters by VCs Josebino on both stories. Uh, there is also a new Valkyrie story uh, written by Torun Grombach with Grombeck with art by Erica de Urso and colors by Marcio Menes. Um, the Jane Foster Valkyrie story is... Uh, you know, sets up the the direction of this next mini series. It's a story involving Loki and his progeny, uh, his uh, Norse mythological progeny. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily the comic book ones, but you know they they've always played a little fast and loose with how they've adapted it. Um, there's actually some really great storytelling and art uh, that uh, that. Is uh, that accompanies this uh, first Jane Foster story by uh, Mattia de Ulis, and it's really, really engaging. Um, the second story involving the new Valkyrie is a reveal of sorts, where we follow the new Valkyrie who is meant to be inspired by um, the yeah, Valkyrie introduced in uh, Thor Ragnarok. Mm-hmm. Which actually, I did. Right, which I did tell you I watched a little bit of today, and I got to that point. So, 
um, when I watched a little bit of it today. So yeah, so yeah, this backup story because I did also read this also. Um, and that whole the first story that has a little the uh, Doctor Strange thing, I was like, I because I keep forgetting they work at the same hospital. So I was like, right. of course they had to shoe in a uh, shoehorn in an interaction between them, but no, not really. They work at the same hospital, <laughs> so that makes makes sense. They're going to run into each other. Um. Uh, but also that backup story where we, we get to find out a little bit more information that we did not know about this new Valkyrie, as you say, uh, kind of comes to light um, because she finds out her name. Right. Which we don't going to give here, but um, I'm not entirely sure how to pronounce it, actually. But, um, yeah, we get that information. And I'm assuming going forward, there, there's going to be some interaction uh, in the main story between her and uh Jane and possibly Loki from what from what they've been uh, talking about with this book so but yeah I I enjoyed it myself uh, I thought it was a pretty good start both stories were you know so that has some um interest to it so I'm kind of interested to see where it's going to go but uh yeah go ahead finish up <laughs> all right next up is nightwing number 79 uh written by tom taylor with art by bruno redondo colors by adriano lucas and letters by wes abbott so again this is uh some more uh fresh start stuff because of infinite frontier uh we have nightwing exploring his new status quo uh, as a result of uh damn it ah, sports <laughs> Um, he's really choked up about Nightwing, folks. <laughs> Mother. F- so, um, <laughs> stupid. <sighs> anyway, sports. Um, it's baseball, folks. Um, uh, uh, getting back to Nightwing, stupid baseball. <laughs> um, Oh boy! Yes, Nightwing. Nightwing's figuring out what to do with his uh, with the inheritance that he's gotten from uh, from Alfred, you know, because apparently he has probably just as much as just as much money as uh, Bruce Wayne now, who is no longer a billionaire but still fairly rich. Maybe not wealthy, but still rich. Um, so you know, he's basically you know trying to figure out a new direction for his uh uh. A heroic career in Bloodhaven, and he's got uh, uh, Barbara Gordon uh, into as a romantic interest, and I kind of enjoy this pairing because I'm not the 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 the, the most avid reader of Nightwing, but this is sort of the 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 pairing and and the uh, the relationship I always kind of traditionally understood to be what they you know, what they were always kind of going for. Right. They've been off and on for, for a while. Right. And, you know, I, I just kind of appreciate the story, uh, kind of going in that direction and taking it, uh, you know, a little further along than, than what we're used to seeing. And we have, um, like I said, Nightwing kind of figuring out what his purpose is going to be in, uh, in Bloodhaven, in the new reality that he has, uh, that he's in now that he's got his memories back and he's got the money he's inherited from Alfred. So, um, 
Next up is a book that I think you read as well, and that is Way of X number one, yep. written by Cy Spurrier with art by Bob Quinn, uh, colors by Java Tartaglia. What a name. And uh, letters by VCs Clayton Cowell. So this book has been teased in the pages of... I want to say the other X books. I'm not exactly sure in which books um, this happened, but mm-hmm. it's been teased that Nightcrawler has uh, had some uh, misgivings about um, some of the uh, attitudes and practices that have come out of the wonders of Krakoa, namely uh, the resurrection protocols and a lot of the things that surround that. And, you know, obviously, you know, being a, 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 a member of the priesthood, depending on, on who's, uh, um, who, you know, which, you know, which writers you think are canon. I, that's my understanding is that he is actually a member of the priesthood. Hmm. Um, uh, you know, and obviously being a, 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 a pretty uh, religious person. In his own right, you know, with or without his, you know, his priestly collar, uh, you know, he's definitely got some some misgivings about what has, you know, some of the the moral and the spiritual um, uh, conflicts that come up as a result of the uh, resurrection protocols in Krakoa, and he has, you know, maybe as a, as an aside, mentioned that he wanted to create uh, a Krakoan you know, faith practice. And it's at the end of the day, he, he's not sure what he wants to do. And ultimately what, what ends up happening is this issue is a little bit of an exploration of some of the, the moral and um, spiritual quandaries that can come up as a result of the resurrection protocol and what has happened to some of the um, Krakoans who can seem to be, or can be seen to be abusing it or at least taking it for granted. Yeah. And, you know, and, and some of the, and, and some of the, uh, the, the, the philosophical, um, questions that, uh, leave Kurt kind of at a loss for the most part during this entire, uh, issue. And ultimately what comes, uh, to his attention is, uh, a task that Professor X has put upon him to uh, investigate a presence on the island that has been hiding itself from Fe- Professor X. And lo and behold, it is a spoiler alert um, that I'm going to invoke, but not spoil because it is a reveal on the last page uh, for the cliffhanger. Okay. And that is uh, Way of X number one. Do you have anything to add? Um, no, not really. Um, there was a there was a good little jab at uh, Magneto's expense that he um, <coughs> having to do with some some former dealings of his that he tended he turned it into a sermon that was kind of amusing, but uh, yeah, it was that whole thing where the the kids were kind of taking advantage of the um, kind of taking for granted that the, for the resurrection protocols are in place and what happens to one of them that they just kind of just blase like yeah no just go ahead and do it just, you know pop your cherry on it <laughs> you know. I'm thinking like that's a that's kind of crazy, but also it's kind of one of those like yeah, kids think they're invisible <laughs> type situations that that's out in the real world. 
Right. But, so, yeah. you know, the uh, there's you know, there's there's still the threat. You know, there there seems to be a dual threat at least is what's implied is that there is this um this rumor of um what do you call it, the patchwork man? Yes. And there is the reveal at the, at the end of the issue, um, who may or may not be the Patrick man, but probably is not. And uh, that is the first threat that uh, Kurt is going to end up having to deal with as a result of Professor X giving him this particular task. So I thought it was an interesting book. I really did appreciate the philosophical um, uh, uh, questions that 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 uh, Cy Spurrier threw uh kurt wagner uh puts forth with regards to this uh resurrection protocol on krakoa now and how it can be abused and 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 treated as you know cheapening life and cheapening you know uh uh uh, what they do right you know they go on missions and i and i kind of appreciated that so i definitely um you know found this story intriguing yeah same here um also I found it interesting to note that they invoked Wanda's name a couple of times in a negative way, which they had been already. But um, but the, the the way they did it here is kind of interesting, and I wonder if they're going to do anything more with that. They have. That's exactly how they do it. And mm-hmm. what's funny is that it's exactly the same person that does it. It's Exodus, right? It's not his first time doing uh, telling this particular story this way. Where Exodus is 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 uh, calling her the Great Pretender and you know the person behind uh, the depowering of the majority of mutantdom, right. so um, you know it's it's um, it's something that has always been brewing since uh, the age of Krakoa started. It's true, yeah. So I'm kind of curious as is that because we thought it was going to come up during whatever that. Uh, Whatever that mini whatever that series was, there was a mini series where they had the zombies going on, uh, and uh, and that she had kind of started up that that she had a hand in during some event, but I can't remember. Uh, but it, that apparently didn't happen. She was just a catalyst to, to start off the whole ball rolling. Was it Empire? Was it Empire? Yeah, it yeah, was Empire. Yes, it was. You're right. So, but that didn't come up to anything. So maybe they'll do something with it. But regardless. Um, Last for me, I still have one last book. Yeah, go for it. Um, X Force number nineteen, written by Benjamin Percy, art by Gary Braubel, um, colors by Guru EFX, letters by VCs Joe Caramagna. So, uh, you know, the story that's been going on so far is that uh, Quentin Quire has uh, been uh, has had. As a result of him dying several times, and 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 pieces of him probably. <clears throat> being used for experimentation they find they find out that uh that suspicion is correct and that the group that had um uh kidnapped domino and uh taken some of her genetic material had taken some of uh quentin's as well and uh basically it was the dark side of quentin choir's uh, uh personality and powers uh was threatening to t- to uh to take out Quentin and the rest of the X-Force team and, and eventually the rest of uh, Krakoa in this episode, they come to, they bring that particular story to a conclusion, but ultimately we still have this threat of Zeno, that group that uh, kidnapped the two of them to uh, try to uh, create uh, human 
uh, human beings with uh, the simulation or the uh, the addition of mutant powers without actually being mutants. And that is uh, it for me. Gotcha. Yeah, I've always kind of wondered about that part about it because it's like, yeah, the, in the places that they've died outside of Krakoa and, uh, you know, other world aside, like, what happens to the bodies? Like, I don't think they've necessarily always addressed what happens to the bodies uh, when they die because it's just like, nope, they died and then they come back later. And I know X Factor is kind of the ones, the ones that are like, um, you know, the missing bodies, you know, we find out what happens to that, the kind of things, but they never, like I said, they don't really go into some of the other cases. So it's interesting that they address it here. Uh, for myself, Spider Woman number 11 is my book, as well, it's my next book anyway. Um, I don't know if you plan on reading this or not. Or do you? Okay, I'll take that for this or no. Wait. No, I'm sorry. I was um, looking for a lozenge. Oh, okay. Uh, gotcha, gotcha. What were you saying? Uh, Spider-Woman 11. I don't know if you plan on reading. Uh... I skimmed. I skimmed oh, it. Go ahead. Okay. So, yeah. So, this is basically... Um, so, we're past King and Black. This is, as you can see from the from the uh, cover there, it's a pretty much a new jumping on point. She's got the old uh, uh, costume back in play now. This was kind of a f- fun read. Uh, but also because it's kind of uh, back to basics for for Jess, um, like you know, King of Black is over. She, you know, her life is kind of getting back together. All that other stuff that uh, happened to her with the 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 virus or whatever that was going on that was afflicting her is all taken care of. Uh, she's back home with Roger and the kid. So, uh, you know, she's back at the place and she, she's sitting there talking to the, the person that um, that made her old suit that was also tracking her, um, you know, and getting her old, basically getting back to her old suit and trying to get that squared away. And then she gets back into action with some, a couple of people. I have no idea if this is like the first time they've shown up ever. I'm going to assume that it is, uh, like these are some brand new quote unquote villains that she goes up against and kind of has a time with, um, throughout the whole thing. But, like that, this whole thing is just in service of uh, getting just kind of back to back to the roots of things, you know, busting up the bad guys, and I guess being a mom again. Although we don't really see some of them, but we also see another little side thing that um, is probably going to come back up next uh, episode with someone in her life. Uh, but yeah, like if you are um, like the character of uh, Spider Woman, aka Jessica Drew, you may and you know, kind of laughed on it. This is this is a place to go in if you if you want to, you know, like it's a, it's the start of a new arc and kind of getting back to uh, pre event. Why well, not even pre event? But getting back to um, you know some sort of a, a regular story line with her. Uh, next up, though, is... Wait, is that it? Oh, yeah. The Trials of Ultraman, number two. Uh, as I sit here and try to find the book cover real quick. Sorry. 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 Trials of Ultraman, uh, number two. Oh, I forgot to give the um, the um, the writers uh, the, the creative team on Spider Woman. So, writer is Carla Pacheco, uh, art by Perry Perez, uh, 
cover color artist by um, uh, Frank Darmada and lettering by VCs Travis Lanham. Uh, the creative team on Trials of Ultraman is uh, there is being written by Kyle Higgins and Matt Groom. Uh, art by Francisco Mana. Uh, color artist Espen Grundigern. I'm hoping I'm pronouncing that right. And lettering by uh, VCs Ariana Mayer. So basically, Shin and Ultraman find out that Dan Morabashi is alive. Uh, Dan Morabashi is a previous uh, wielder of the Ultraman power, but he is back after a, after what fifty four decades, uh, fifty four years, I believe they said. Uh, and she, he has no memory of, of of anything, so it's kind of curious as to why he's back. Uh, the USP is going off to try to find him, but he's been captured by this one group that doesn't like the USP. So Shin and um, Kiki have to go undercover and try to find him and uh, to infiltrate and um, rescue him, which doesn't necessarily go off without a hitch. And of course, Ultraman is called in action, even though it was if it's, it's against, uh, you know, he has this thing of against getting into human affairs, but since things end up jumping off, uh, he ended up doing that. But a kaiju ends up coming into play at the end of this. Um, a sort of a kaiju ends up coming into play uh, at the end of this. And, and I feel like just in time for Godzilla, or not just in time, but this is after Godzilla and the Kong thing happened. Let's just say there is a similar type kaiju that... Um, that is invoked here that uh, was introduced. Well, that had, that had come out during the course of uh, Godzilla uh, versus Kong and actually and classically in Godzilla lore, but still <laughs> this, that, uh, that gets used here in a, in a fashion. Uh, next up though, the, uh, the next Batman second son, number eight, uh, this is a digital first, as I've been saying, a digital first uh, comic. It's going to come to uh, physical at some point down the line, but here's what we got. Uh, it's written by John Ridley, uh, that John Ridley, 12 Years a Slave one. Uh, artist, Travel Foreman, uh, inks by, or excuse me, inks by Norm Rapmund, colors by Rex Locus, and letters by Darren Bennett. So, this is some information I did not know. Jace, uh, who is going to become the next Batman, this is taking place before Future State, or I guess at the time Future State starts, basically. So it's kind of quote unquote present day. Um, just find out that that Jace, aka Tim, is the oldest Fox uh, Fox kid. Did not know this, and we also get to find out what that whole big mystery that uh, that they were hinting around. Uh, about for this whole volume and even in future state that was never to be told and apparently it's just um it's straight out of a PSA so boo <laughs> I was thinking it was some big big dark thing that they had to hide and it's like no it's, it turns out don't text and drive folks that's all I'll say it's kind of a spoiler okay. but yeah I was like, that was that's a letdown, though. I'm like, you we, you had to, all of that build up just to just to, for that to be the thing. 
So, but anyway, that's uh, how that goes. And I think that's how that ends. We come to find out that re- bit of revelation at the end of this and, and the uh, issue ends. And with that, that is the end of my books. So we'll go to Clicks of the Week. Clicks of the Week. And we don't have anything from the other fellas this week. So... Um, I'm going to tell you what I'm considering. I'm considering way of X number one, because of, I thought the very well thought out treatment of, um, Nightcrawler's misgivings about, you know, what's, uh, you know, some of the the philosophical and ethical and moral questions behind the whole resurrection protocol. Um, I actually enjoyed mighty Valkyries. I really enjoyed, um, the first and second stories, mm-hmm. um, I really dug the art uh, by Matei Deulis on that first, on the Jane Foster one, though. I thought that was, you know, tremendous. Yeah, it was good. Uh, yeah. Those, I think those are the two books that really spoke to me this week. Mm-hmm. So those are going to be the two that I'm going to choose between. So while I'm doing that, do you have any that you, do you have a, a, a clear contender for yourself? Uh, actually, I would, I would go along with Mighty Valkyries because I, I also enjoyed both stories and also Way of X, actually. Um, I, I enjoyed what that potentially is going to be because we weren't really sure about how that one was going to go going into it. Um, I think the only other contender I kind of had was Spider-Woman because it was, it was a pretty fun read. Um, all said and done, I thought anyway. Right. Well, I thought, you know, uh, minor spoiler alert, I thought one of the capabilities that her suit now has uh, that's reminiscent of uh, a belt-mounted uh, device that Spider-Man oh, yeah. actually has. <laughs> I thought that was pretty amusing. Yeah. Uh, so I think what I'm going to do is choose Way of X number one, um, just because, you know, I was probably, as you said, more surprised by how this premise was executed mm-hmm. you know mighty valkyries you know we're kind of used to jason aaron and turn Grombeck, you know putting in solid work on valkyrie and you know they even you know as much as Rodicat didn't want to read the king and black tie-in i thought it was a fairly strong uh tie-in that really advanced the valkyrie story as much as tied into the king and black stuff so kind of used to uh uh, Aaron and Grumbeck uh, coming in with um, pretty strong stories, so I'm going to go with Way of X number one. So I guess that was the question I was gonna I was going to ask you. Um, so we knew we were, we knew this was coming, uh, and you had been reading the 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 Valkyrie stuff from King and Black. Uh, does this tie that? Do you think that's required reading to kind of to for this? To see how we got to this point, right. yeah, mm. yeah, there, because there was a couple you, of things I was like, okay, that sounds like that's something that came out of King and Black, right? Right, because that, because that's where we get introduced to the new Valkyrie, who's based on Tessa Thompson's character, right? So yeah, you, you know, and, and I'm pretty sure uh, you've heard me say this, but like so many of those mini series or even one shots. Uh, were vehicles for books that either ended or were canceled just before King and Black. Mm-hmm. 
you know, I'm specifically talking about Valkyrie being one and um, Ghost Spider being two, where though it turns out those miniseries turned into almost literal continuations of those series. Mm -hmm. So I think it's pretty important if you want to uh, be uh, fully up to date on the Valkyrie story and where they're, I guess, going to try to go with the Valkyries now and maybe rebuild them as a core, you know, as a group. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, it's probably worth reading. Mm -hmm. You know, much... Much as much as I would say, you know, if you were uh, uh, trying to catch up on Ghost Spider, you'd probably have to go read those uh, that uh, the 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 Carnage versus Spider Gwen or or, or Ghost Spider, uh, I forget what they called it. Gwenum. Uh, mini- Gwenum. That's it. I'm sorry. Thanks, Gwenum. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Sadly. Uh, that being said, yeah, I guess I will go with. Um, that Spider Woman was kind of fun, but I think I'm actually going with my idea of Valkyries. Despite having not read the King and Black uh, miniseries prior to this, what was that you you going with Mighty Valkyries? Yes, you just you woke up just for a second. Oh, weird. Um, yeah, I'm going with Mighty Valkyries despite not having read um, the the miniseries, the King and Black miniseries. Right, I get it. Yeah. That being said, we can go on to an ad read. All right, our first ad read of the night is for Blue Apron's meal delivery service. Blue Apron, fresh ingredients and incredible recipes delivered weekly to your door. Skip the grocery store and make incredible meals at home with Blue Apron. Always shipped free right to your home. And now the listeners of the Comic Book Chronicles can get $30 off your first Blue Apron order. To place your first order... With $30 off, and to help keep our show free for you, go to our network website at cspn.us. That's cspn.us. Then click on the Keep Our Podcast Free link at the top of the page. From there, scroll down to the Blue Apron link and sign up for your first order. Blue Apron through cspn.us. Do it today. And now we get into the news. And we start off with the Cinematic News, as we do every week about this time, with uh, going back to a little bit of Falcon and Winter Soldier, actually. Uh, did Falcon and Winter Soldier episode now five confirm Power Broker Theory? Uh, I'm just going to go to say maybe not. But we still don't know what uh, what uh, is in store for Sharon Carter. I know there's theories about either her being the Power Broker or her working with the Power Broker, and... Uh, that other theory about her and um, Countess Valentina De Allegra De Fontaine working together, uh, but we don't know. So, and this just kind of goes into that whole uh, theory about the her being a power broker. Next up. Right, so Marvel has big plans for that surprise Falcon and the Winter Soldier cameo, as that we mentioned earlier. Uh, spoiler alert again. Uh, and I love how they start this article with in one of the better kept secrets in Marvel's history, <laughs> because the snipers are out there. Some people respect the snipers. Some people don't 11 time Emmy award winning actor, Julia Louis Dreyfus made her surprise MCU debut as Contessa Valentina Allegra de Fontaine in episode five of Falcon winter soldier emerging as a potential big bad of Marvel's second TV series. According to sources close to the production 
This character was slated to first appear in the Black Widow film, which in a pre-COVID world was scheduled to debut in uh, theaters May 1st, 2020. But Marvel reportedly has even bigger ambitions for uh, Louis Dreyfus's villainous figure. Interesting. Hmm. Also, the, the, the trademark purple streak in, in the Countess's hair didn't necessarily play uh, at the beginning of that uh, thing, but you usually see here it's kind of there. Don't, don't ask me why I'm p- pulling that out, but I'm just saying it's a thing. Next up, though, yep. um, the, the Dora Milaget then Dancing Zemo have their own Instagram gifts. <clears throat> Great. No, I'm joking. Exactly. Both of us need, need some tea with honey or something. I actually have tea with honey <laughs> right here for me. That's what's making it so bad. Um, but yeah, so the, this article is talking about the, how Falcon and Winter Soldier ends this week, which means Marvel fans were likely to have a lot to say about the Disney Plus series on social media. Disney and Marvel has made, have made Twitter a little more fun by adding emojis to Falcon and Winter Soldier hashtags. And that's not the only social media site with some Marvel flair. Instagram have GIF options for stories and the latest additions for uh, the Falcon and Winter Soldier are the best yet. The Dora Milaget and Dancing Zemo. A popular Instagram account for Falcon and Winter Soldier shared new images of the gifts uh, this week. Um, with hashtag replete with. And you can check them out uh, if you're watching the video, which sometimes you should. Check out the video and you can see um, what we're talking about. Or you can check out the show notes, which will be provided. Excuse me. But if you're watching the video, you can see the uh, Instagram post where there's a the, there's Dora um, gif and the dancing emo Zemo, excuse me, which I'm not going to click on that, but it's fine. Next up. So uh, in some WandaVision concept art revealed by uh, Andy Park, uh, director of Marvel Studios visual development, um, he tweeted out a never before seen uh, picture of this uh, WandaVision concept art which shows Elizabeth Olsen in a different suit than what's seen in the Disney show. He presents it as uh, the Scarlet Witch design he did with her cape and hood. He loved creating both her looks with and without the cape and hood. Mm. He calls it the red riding hood look. Interesting. I mean, there was a comic version of this, though. So from that last uh, series that she had. I mean, it's a little bit different from then because even the hood is kind of different because she was kind of a a little different feel going on to it. But it's not that far off. But yeah, sure. There you go. Uh, WandaVision and the Falcon and the Winter Soldier will be submitted in different Emmy cam- categories. So um, it says that Marvel Studios pr- producer Nate Moore recently spoke to IndieWire and confirmed that they'll both be put forward in different categories. Uh, the Falcon and Winter Soldier is being submitted for Best Drama Series, while WandaVision is taking aim at Best Limited Series, which confirms we won't be getting a season two. The uh, decision came about sort of as the series was launching, but it was something that we were thinking about according to, um, as we were making it according to uh, uh, Nate Moore. So, And it also says something here about, uh, let's see... Oh, there was speculation of whether there's going to be a, a best lead actor or not for either uh, Anthony Mackin or, or Sebastian Stan in Falcon and Winter Soldier, but we don't know. Next up. Alrighty, next up. 
The Falcon and the Winter Soldier's wife, Russell, has said that he has no interest in replacing his father, Kurt Russell, as Snake Plissken in an Escape from New York reboot, as he describes it as Career Suicide 101. In an interview with Esquire, um, Wyatt Russell was responding to a fan question about this rumored reboot of Escape from New York, about whether or not he'd be interested in the leading role. Uh, and, you know, that's essentially, that was essentially his uh, answer. Like, nope, 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 nope. Right. I'm not going to lie. I did not put the connection together. So I did not know that was uh, their kid. Really? Yeah, I told. I mean, cause, I mean, Russell, like, who, who knows? It could be any. You know, that's a common enough name. <laughs> no, I thought we talked about it though. No, I don't think we did. Um, if we did, uh, I don't remember. Sure I'll put, it, put it this way: yeah. if we did, I don't remember. How about that? Because <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember us talking about it. But anyway, no. that is the thing, and yeah, I, I get it. So it is what it is. All right. Next up, though, um, Disney Plus's Secret Invasion is eyeing the crown's Olivia Coleman, which, um, sure, why not? That's a good get. Uh, Disney Plus and Marvel Studios' Secret Invasion is looking to add Olivia Coleman to its rank. Not that I know that much about her, but I keep hearing her name in places. Um, according to the Hollywood Reporter, reporter Coleman is in talks to join the series that will feature Samuel Jackson reprising his role. You know who that, is, who that was. And Ben Mendelsohn as Telos. Uh, Coleman is best known for her role as Queen Elizabeth II in The Crown, Godmother in Fleabag, and Queen Anne in The Favorite, for which she won an Academy Award for Best Actress. So, cool. Next. Next up, Amelia Clark, a.k.a. the Mother of Dragons, is in final negotiations to join Marvel Studios' Secret Invasion, the hot original series quickly coming together at Disney+. Um, her role is naturally under wraps, and uh, she joins previously reported cast Sam Jackson, Ben Mendelsohn, Kingsley ben and the rumored Olivia Coleman. She's totally playing a scroll. I'm calling it. Actually, I don't know that for certain, but I feel like that's probably something they do. Who, Amelia Clark? Uh-huh. I've heard um, Abigail Brand. I've also heard that, too. So, and... you know, those that's... Listen, Queen Varanke, Abigail Brand, not, you know, not out of the realm of possibility. I feel like from Neither. what I've... Yeah, but I feel like from what I've heard about this Olivia Coleman. Uh, lady, I feel like she might make a better help Bigel brand than Amelia Clark. But you know, you know, hey, I'm not saying saying that Amelia Clark ain't got no, you know, got no range or anything. But we'll see. Uh, Black Panther's Ryan Coogler explains why he won't move the sequel from Georgia. So apparently, writer for Deadline, Coogler's guest column uh, discusses why he chooses why he's choosing not to boycott the state as uh, some folks are doing. Uh, which is has historically been home to many Marvel Studios shoots, among other Hollywood productions. Thanks to George's uh, tax incentives promoting the state as a hub for film and television industry. Quote, uh, Having now spoken with voting rights activists in the state, Kugler writes in part, I have come to understand that many of the people employed by my film, including all of the local vendors and businesses we engage, are the very same people who will bear the brunt of SB202. End quote. So yeah, that is the law that they're trying to make um, um, that are trying to go down in in Georgia, which is yeah, a whole thing that we don't need to get into right now. Next up, 
Next up, uh, so apparently a show on OWN called Queen Sugar uh, was able to use a Black Panther doll um, as part of a tribute to uh, Chadwick Boseman. I'm trying to pull up this article now. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, so the the series creator Ava DuVernay is a person who explains how this uh, how this show Queen Sugar, which centers on three siblings who move to rural Louisiana in the aftermath of their father's death to claim his eight hundred acre sugar cane farm. Okay, mm-hmm. um, let's see. Scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. Basically, it's a friend of a friend of a friend. Including Ryan Coogler. <laughs> yeah, I mean, talk about burying the lead here, Screen Rant. Right. Yeah, because she, yeah, she basically says, like, yeah, it came through with, uh, you know, her knowing uh, Ryan Coogler and also a couple other people in the mix that that, that could um, make make things happen. So, Screw you, Screen Rant. I'd scrolled just for nothing. <laughs> yeah, they kind of they kind of like all right. You just get to the point. <laughs> you don't need all of this. Um, but that doll, I was like, I've never seen that one. Like that seems like a like a bigger than average um, uh, Marvel Legend. Also, that I, that I don't think I've ever that uh, I've seen because I went looking for it. But I don't know. Maybe it's something I missed out. Regardless, we're gonna move along. Uh, Marvel introduces. Oh, you should have taken this one. In fact, you go ahead and take this one if you want it. Just go ahead. Okay, sure. Marvel introduces Samuel Liu's uh, MCU hero in the incredible first uh, Shang Chi trailer. Did you watch it? Of course. And what was funny about it is that it was a complete surprise to none other than Samuel Liu. Exactly. Whose yeah. day was was it Monday? Monday. And uh, you know he was under the impression <laughs> that all they were, all he was going to be doing was uh, I think tweeting out um, a picture of his costume of him in costume right and the next thing you know I know and and I, I believe he tweets out you know look out look, look be on the lookout for a trailer within the next two weeks yes which all is apparently what Marvel Studios told him right and uh, you know and you know in, in a mild prank. Which you know was obviously appreciated by uh, both fans of his himself and fans of the movie. Um, Marvel Studios decided to come out and uh, wish Simu Liu a happy birthday and released their teaser trailer, which is a lot of fun. Yeah, and actually, in, in more ways than one, to wish him a happy birthday because we'll get to another story later on that uh, that involves him and some and some something he got to announce or, um, yeah look into but yeah I, I i liked it i watched it a couple of times it was uh it was burning up the uh the twitters uh when it when it dropped the funny part about it was um i think i was watching youtube uh and it just so happened it popped up right before i saw it on social media you know i was like oh oh okay so so i watched it a couple of times and then you know i saw twitter kind of ablaze what in the world yeah, I don't know what just happened. It's like you blinked in and out for a second. Oh, no, um, not even just that, but I'm, there's some background noise, and I'm I'm not sure what's going on. But I don't know. But um, but uh, I happened to get a message from someone. Oh, uh, about the trailer. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, this dropped. 
you know, and uh, that that's what got me uh, uh, opening up all my social media pages to check that out and to check it out on YouTube. So, uh, yeah, you know what? Uh, uh, you know, I listened to some people talk about it afterwards and they kind of confirmed my own suspicions about it. Um, uh, I, you, you may have more stories about uh, some of the things I was thinking about, like uh, how they've adapted some of the uh, elements of both the Mandarin and Zhengzhu, uh, uh, a.k.a. the Yellow Claw. Hmm. So, um, I think I got one in the clickbait session. I might go into one of those, but, um, yeah, nothing. Okay. That, yeah. Right, but, yeah, you know, at the end of the day, you know, I guess I could just fold it in here then. Um, you know, they definitely have adapted and adopted some some differences to to uh, create their own version of the character you know uh, who they're calling when when wu i believe and uh you know and some of the sto- some of the spoilers that came out as a result of the toys coming out relatively quickly right uh, in addition to the trailer coming out uh kind of uh lead us to believe or at least show us some of the the changes to um the source material, you know, some of the changes they're making in their uh, adaptation of the source material, that is. Right. Um, I kind of want to mention one of them, but we'll we'll let that roll. So, yeah. Uh, if you had a, had a chance to check it out, do so, because it's actually a pretty good trailer. Um, you know, some people are saying things, you know, um, Aquafina is also in it, and some people have issues with her for probably some justifiable reasons, but well, I mean, it's unfortunate because it seems like she's playing the same character that she has been in several movies now. Well, you know, it's kind of like the same character that she was in uh, Crazy Rich Asians. Well, that's not uh, the that's not the thing that some of the people that I'm talking about are having an issue with. But yeah, there is that. What are they saying? Oh, that you know. Now you've piqued my curiosity. It's about just how she started off as a, a rapper and the, the 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 language she was using. Then that she's uh just that she has stopped using once uh, she she got on to the movies and her whole um you know there, there's basically cultural appropriation talk sort of. <laughs> All right. Yeah, that, I, you know, I don't even get into all that sometimes, but you know, it's like, yeah. hey, you know, it's not the first one to, to, to do something like that, but, you know, it is what it is. Regardless, though, trailer, good. Check it out. Next up. I was about to say, <laughs> the Twitterverse, man. Yeah, I mean, uh, like I said, like, there, there is there's some legitimacy to it, but also kind of like it's a little, it's a little, it's a little something. Uh, but yeah, next so apparently, up. uh, they did in fact have a name for the place inside the soul stone in a F- infinity war. Why we're finding out about this, whatever. Yeah. A deleted scene in Avengers Endgame answered this big question, apparently, from the films. And uh, what did they call it? Thanks for burying the lead, CBR. <laughs> Scrolling, I'm scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. The the way station, I guess it's called. It wasn't called a soul station. That's all I know, and that was a missed opportunity. Yeah, so that's the name of the location that Tony and Thanos would be taken to. Sure. All righty. Yeah. Um. No, but wait. 
I thought that was where Gamora ended up. But regardless, it doesn't matter. Y'all, we'll be there. It's, just, <laughs> uh, it's the orange place, folks. Next up, Loki and Winter so- uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier could possibly get multiple seasons, according to this article. Um, and this is according to Nate Moore, who we talked about earlier, said that he w- couldn't confirm a second season for Falcon and Winter Soldier, but he, quote, does absolutely want to leave the possibility open. Uh, he told IndieWire that, quote, uh, we definitely kicked around ideas because we always uh, like to keep thinking about where things can go. But we also, frankly, wow, uh, in the crush of the pandemic, there's a lot of comments going on here. This is, uh, uh, we're trying to finish the show and make it sure it got out in a timely manner. Uh, hopefully at the end of the season, you'll see the potential for what we could tell in a subsequent season. Um, however, more went on to tease that the series Loki is being planned as a potential ongoing series. Uh, when asked if there's any other Marvel shows that could see multiple seasons, he said, uh, the one that comes to mind and that's probably is on the secret. Uh, I think there's a lot of storytelling in Loki that's really irreverent and clever and cool, but also lends itself to multiple seasons in a way that is not a one-off. And then he goes to praise Tom Hiddleston. Next up. So in May, Disney Plus is going to have more of the high school musical spinoff. What the fuck? Um, all right. This, this, this article is not exactly laid out in the most efficient manner. So series with new episodes premiering weekly in May. Big shot high school musical, the series season two. The Mighty Ducks, Game Changers, Star Wars, The Bad Batch is coming out on May 4th. Inside Pixar Unpacked is coming out on May 21st. And uh, movies and complete series seasons coming in May. Uh, I'm going to skip through some of these. Uh, Guess what? Fantastic Four Rise of the Silver Surfer is coming out. Mm -hmm. Goodness gracious. X-Men The Last Stand is going to hit the streaming service on May 14th. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, let's see. May 20. No, that's it for the stuff that would be like particularly relevant to the show. Right. I mean, you can make a stretch for Corilla, but no. Um, yeah, that's pretty much that though. That's a couple of things. And of course the bad batch, like you said, is, is, is coming out on the fourth. So by that time I will probably have been finished with, uh, Clone Wars. Probably not. Alfred Molina confirms no return. Comments. Huh? I said no comment. <laughs> Alfred Molina confirms return as Doc Ock in Spider-Man 3. Um, so yeah, that happened in an in, in in interview with Variety. Uh, Molina also spilled a couple of details about reprising the role for Spider-Man 3. I think he also let off a couple of spoilers. See, that's, there was a Marvel sniper is looking to take shots at Alfred Molina. <laughs> yep. Uh, let's see. He says here, uh, we were shooting it. We were all under orders not to talk about it because it was supposed to be some great secret, uh, Molina said. But you know, it's all over the internet. I actually described myself as the worst kept secret in Hollywood. Oh, Lord. <laughs> Uh, he went on to give a few minor spoilers. 
which we won't say, but he basically kind of minor spoiler um, a little bit of it here, and then he talks about the the, the fact that uh, he's not as young as he used to be. Well, he's not as young as he was when he did um, the previous movies that he was in, the previous fighting movie he was in, and that and you know his tendencies, as he says, his tendencies, uh, his tentacles were carried to performance. So, yeah, there you go. Next up. The Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse sequel has a trio of new directors. Variety reports and Sony Pictures Animation confirms that the untitled Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse sequel will be directed by Joaquin, Joaquin Dos Santos, Kemp Powers, and Justin K. Thompson. They're going to, they're going to take over for Bob Persichetti, Peter Ramsey, and Rodney Rothman, who made the first film. Okay. Mm-hmm. But like, uh, Joaquin Dos Santos had done some DC stuff, like some DC animated stuff, I feel like. So, regardless, the, 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 word, the, the, the word on the Twitters is like, this is pretty good hands for this. You gotta uh, trust the word on the Twitters, tongue firmly planted <laughs> in cheek. No, I mean, that there's at least one or two of those names that I have heard in some other stuff that, or at least, you know, so that's give it some kind of cred. So that's the only reason why I'm saying that. But uh, Spider-Man will finally come to Disney Plus with New Deal, but after Netflix. So yeah, there was a deal that um, Sony made with Netflix about getting first-run streaming rights. Um... Oh, excuse me, sorry. Spider-Man will come to Disney Plus with New Deal, but after Netflix, if I didn't say that properly. But yeah, so Sony made a deal with, uh, I think we talked about this already, and if we didn't, I'm not sure why, but um, Sony and Netflix got a deal to, to get the streaming rights. Uh, we did talk about it last week, now that I think about it, as opposed to not having it on their own service of Crackle, because nobody's watching Crackle. Um, so the Spider-Man movies... Uh, going to go to Netflix first, uh, apparently, and then go to Disney Plus after the uh, uh, the Netflix deal. I mean, the Netflix uh, uh, time frame. So let's see. The new Disney deal covers the point after that, meaning theatrical releases from 2022 to 2026 will head to Disney's streaming services, and other television networks after they leave Netflix. The package only covers U.S. markets, obviously. Because right. that's how they usually do. Right. I mean, I've read... The, the article I read... Uh, the articles I read, I don't know which... Where is this from? This is from IGN. Okay. I, I don't think I read this particular article, but I think they're all reporting from the same sources. Yes. Um, the, my understanding of this is that in um, any of the older stuff is going to be moving to Disney plus mm-hmm. it's the new stuff that this applies to. So at some point in the near future, we don't have all the details yet, but at some point in the near future, we're probably going to be able to fill in most of the gaps that are in the MCU lineup in Disney plus other than uh, the incredible Hulk, mm-hmm. you know, sooner rather than later. And it's just, uh, you know, this upcoming sequel, um, that won't be on Disney Plus right away. Once it hits streaming, it'll go to Netflix first. Correct. So, either way, you know, people with both will have them. So, oh, right, we'll have it one way or the other. Uh, next up, though, 
All right, next up, uh, Predator screenwriters are suing to win back the franchise rights from Disney. Speaking of Disney, as reported by Deadline, Disney has responded to the lawsuit filed by Jim and John Thomas by filing their own club and getting lawyers paid, claiming the brothers are attempting to prematurely terminate 20th century's rights to the Hunter screenplay at the time the studio is working on developing another entry in the franchise. Okay. So here's where I speculate, because we did talk about Marvel uh, putting putting the Predator stuff they had on hold um, indefinitely. I'm kind of wondering if this is why. It probably is. Yeah. It probably is. Because at the time we, we, we heard about that, we there was no nothing given as to why they were doing that. And now that this has come out, this seems probably good as reason as any. Right. So, Oh, we'll see how that, uh, how that turns out for either one of those parties. Uh, HBO Max's Batman spinoff isn't Gotham central. Boo. Uh, may center around James Gordon though. Um, although Gotham PD, the planned HBO Max spinoff for the upcoming film, the Batman, Follows Gotham City police detectives investigating cases. It is not an adaptation of the comics title Gotham Central. That's according to co-creator Ed Brubaker, who co-wrote um, Gotham Central with Greg Rucka. In an appearance on the Fat Man Beyond podcast hosted by uh, Kevin Smith and Mark Bernardin, Brubaker said, I was like, maybe they're going to make Gotham Central this time. And so I reached out to a producer who works for, for, the, for, works for the movie. Uh, oh, he, Matt Reeves, and says, no, that's not really Gotham Central. So it's more of a spinoff of the movie. It's like the James Gordon show. So basically it's Gotham, <laughs> which we already had. And again, I say, why is this happening? Next up. Right, but I think Gotham was originally inspired by some of the stuff that Brubaker and co. did in Gotham Central. Um, the way they played it, you know, but it's one, it's one, you know, it's like chicken and the egg, you know. Um, uh, have you watched Gotham? Because I, I don't know how that's the case. <laughs> I've never no, but at the end of the day, you know, um, I've never really watched any of that stuff. <laughs> it was so. it was pretty much surrounding. It was basically, yeah, it was less. I've having read some Gotham Central, it was definitely not so much that. I'll I'll, I'll just put it that way. But anyway, next up. Zack Snyder, his eminence, responds to restore the Snyderverse campaign. So what does he say? He says it's a concept that he believes shows sort of reverence for the work. In that way, whatever it results in, he has no idea. He said at the fan-organized event, Justice Con, really? And most likely nothing just based on, you know. Quote, end quote. Uh, wink, wink, nut, yeah, that's nut, keep egging it. it on. Wink, wink. Right. Oh, he does add, quote, the reverence for the work is a thing that he never would dismiss and or in any way say he doesn't respect and that he would not, of course, give any give uh, his entire effort to support. If someone says to him, no matter who that person is, quote, I really love that thing. I wish you would make another one, end quote. I'm not personally, I'm not a person who says, well, that, you know, forget it. I think that's rude. What's happened in the, la- in the last, however, uh, whatever, three years 
for Zack Snyder's Justice League to exist is impossible. So uh, that's all I think. Wonderful. Right. <laughs> like, yeah, I'm not going to, I may not, you know, I, I'm not going to stop you, but, <laughs> but I'm, but I'm going to cheat your own silently. Anyway, um, Rami, Rami star, uh, joins DC black Adam film in a secret role. So I'm going to presume this is Rami star and stand up comedian, uh, Mo Amir is joining the cast of Dwayne Johnson's black Adam film. According to deadline, uh, details regarding Amir's part are not known at the moment, much like many other aspects of the film. Amir joins uh, a bunch, a couple of other people who were also recently cast in the mysterious roles, um, and I guess we'll see what happens from that. Whenever that happens, next. DC's Legends of Tomorrow star Dominic Purcell has changed his tune following his fiery exit announcement. Now says he's going to return periodically in season seven. So this guy who plays of all people, a heat wave, (laughs) um, you know, says uh, uh, that he's leaving and it's a big to do and it's a big brouhaha. But now he says, would everyone chill the F out? Why are people losing their mind because he's leaving the show? Yeah. His tone was heavy straight to the point. It's who he is. He says, does he have a beef with the studio at Warner brothers uh, TV? No, sure. You don't. Yeah, aka oh, they came after him after he popped off. They came after him like, you sure you want to get? You might not want to get paid no more for you want to burn this bridge, huh? <laughs> and then he came, then he deleted his original post and and basically said some of the stuff that uh basically said what Agent Seventy said. In it, I mean, at the end of the day, my entire reaction to this was, who? So how could it be of any import? But you know it's imp- of import to somebody. Yeah, sure. They're fans of these shows. That's just not. Me. I'm one of them, but I'm like Heatwave was sure that dude. I <laughs> was sure it's all right. I guess. Next up, though, uh, mm-hmm. Avatar Lev's Airbender YouTube channel to air new original series uh, next week, or I guess this week, uh, as of uh, uh, this recording, because that, as a matter of fact, yeah, that would have happened. Today is the 22nd, going on the 23rd, and that happened on uh, uh, the 20th. So, a new Avatar The Last Airbender Center uh, series um, came to the show's official YouTube page. Uh, Let's see. I don't know what it's called. I don't see what it says about it, but... But in honor of Earth Day weekend celebration, this is a three-day weekend that will feature, that will feature earth-shattering original videos, a live stream every day, and a new original series exclusively on the channel. It all starts on Earth Day, so it actually it started today. Um, get ready, Toss already on her way, according to that. So, um, don't know what the series was, because didn't see it at the before anything about it before... Um, before we record it. But hey, this thing, if you're an Avatar fan, deal with it! Next up. 
season four of the Castlevania anime will be the show's last, but Netflix has released a teaser and poster to get viewers excited for its upcoming ending. The animated series is based on the video games of the same name and premiered in the summer of 2017. Following the characters Trevor Belmont, Alucard, and Sypha uh, Belnades as they battle a vengeful Dracula and try to keep the people of Wallachia safe. Okay. It's a good anime. You should check it out. Um, and I think there, and also, um, Warren Ellis was attached to it until some things happened and he had to, and he left. Um, but anyway. The next Star Trek movie has a start date of 2023. Five years has passed since the last Star Trek film, and now it seems two years away from the next one. Paramount did a big release date shuffle to, uh, at the, the day of this recording uh, of the excuse me, of this writing, which was on the 9th. Um, and in the mix was the news that an untitled Star Trek movie was now set for June 9th, 2023. Uh, in the past five years, there's been talk of several different Trek films, including one that would bring back Chris Hemsworth, along with Chris Pine-led uh, a Quentin Tarantino-written one, and one by Legion's Noah Hawley. Uh, however, most of those are considered, uh, long considered dead. The most recent Trek movie news is that the movie is being written by Kalinda Vasquez, a producer and writer on uh, Star Trek Discovery, with J.J. Abrams set to produce. However, a source uh, close to the project told IO9 that this is not the Vasquez script. It is, however, a separate J.J. Abrams-produced Trek film, but all details beyond that remain secret. Probably going to be some Beastie Boys in there somewhere. Uh, let's see. All that is clear that we got a date of June 9, 2023. Next up. So, in timely Mortal Kombat movie news... <laughs> Uh, screenwriter Greg Russo has uh, said that he has planned for a full trilogy. He's worked on the screenplay for five years, and he has had to has said he's had to balance introducing new audiences to the video game's expansive fantasy world while delivering on fan expectation. This meant keeping the first film tight. With Russo planning to follow up on a wider story, should the movie prove successful enough to warrant sequels or spinoffs? Okay. I mean, look, there's a, at the very least, tw- uh, well, let's just keep it, keep it. There's like 11 mainline Mortal Kombat video games. So why not a trilogy for the movies? They almost did it with the first one, but not, I mean, the first set, which I don't even know they were even trying. They really weren't trying. Uh, so we'll see. And everything's a trilogy nowadays, because, yeah. Next up, though, uh, Knuckles revealed on Sonic the Hedgehog 2 set. I don't know how that is. Oh, that's how that is. So, apparently, there's some behind-the-scenes set, and there's, like, a little stand-ups. Not standees, uh, but, um, 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 statues or something, let's say, of... Knuckles and Sonic on the set that was uh, given, that was um, taking pictures of. So I guess this is what Knuckles is going to look like in the next movie, whenever that happens. Cool. Next. 
And haven't they done this before news? <laughs> Vin Diesel has been hired on to star in Mattel's big screen adaptation of the popular kids game, Rock'em Sock'em, which features battling robots looking to knock each other's heads off. Diesel, whose production company One Race Films, is working on the project with Universal Pictures, said of the project, to take the classic Rock'em Sock'em game with Mattel as my partner and align it with the kind of world-building franchise-making success we've had with Universal is truly exciting. They did this with, I think, Hugh Jackman and Real, Real Steel, Steel, I think it was called? That is correct. Yeah... I mean, I guess shout out to Vin Diesel trying to get that money, but man, this is getting out of hand. Uh, now we transition over into the comic book news. Far Sector's N.K. Jemison teaching masterclass on fantasy and sci-fi writing. Uh, the news masterclass session will feature acclaimed novelist and Far Sector writer N.K. Jemison teaching authors how to write in the realms of science fiction and fantasy. Uh, the session is exclusively available on the Masterclass website, where Jimison is one of over 100 uh, instructors who discuss a wide range of topics. Jimison's class will teach attendees how to develop the characters in their stories while adding nuance to their stories and worlds. Uh, Jimison will also offer advice on what class members need to do when pursuing a professional writing career and how to navigate the publishing industry. Which, let's face it, that's Good advice. Um, good, good information if you can get it. Excuse me. Next up. All right. A deadly new villain. Spoiler alert. Debuted in April 13th. This is last week's. Um, the Joker number two by James Tinian the fourth and Gillum March. One who is apparently taking after her daddy. A new villain named Vengeance debuted last week. The daughter of Bane. The latest in a long line of new characters Tinian has introduced to the Bat family over the past year. Uh, let's see. As a whole, the Joker number two came jam-packed with potentially significant reveals that could shake up Batman's world. Spoilers that, uh, on the issue. Um... Yeah, this is all in the wake of uh, what happens to Bane in uh, Whatchamahoozit's uh, Infinite Horizons, I think it's called. Number zero. Okay. So, without spoiling everything that happens there. Sure, I still need to read that. Um, Infinite something or other, yeah. Infinite Frontier, there you go. Frontier, there it is. Horizons Frontier. <laughs> Same Drek. Uh, huh. A major Green Arrow reveal connects Bendis' Justice League and Checkmate. Uh, Brian Michael Bendis recently took over as a writer of Justice League, as we said earlier, and is slated to write a checkbook, Checkmate series in June. I think we have also said that uh, previously. Uh, both series feature Green Arrow as a major player, but a secret concerning the Emerald Archer will only serve to strengthen that bond. Uh, Quote-unquote, last year when we were working on track Checkmate, uh, we were heading towards a different destination than we have now, Bendis told Newsarama. Uh, there was just a different publishing plan going on, but with Infinite Frontier and us on Justice League, it offered a very strong, robust placement for us to tailor it. With Green Arrow being the connective tissue, this is a surprise with Green Arrow. So, And he says this is a genuine surprise, so sure. Next up. 
So more spoilers for Joker number two. It turns out that uh, uh, Jim Gordon has known a certain member of his family is also a member of the Bat family for a long time now. That's the gist of it. Sure. Next up. Uh, then Dan Jurgens reunites with Booster Gold and Blue Beetle as they try to become uh, social media celebrities. Um, in the new limited series Blue and Gold, DC's dynamically dysfunctional duo with Blue Beetle and Booster Gold reunite with a plan to make it big on the social media scene and have roped in Booster Gold co-creator Dan Jurgens to write their likely misadventures. Uh, with in-demand artist Ryan Souk drawing the title. Uh, desperate to regain the spotlight, Booster Gold looks to attract the public's and Justice League's attention in the same way any washed-up second-rate hero would. Social media reads the description of Blue and Gold number one. Yay. Um, Blue and Gold number one of eight goes on sale July 20th. Next. So, in some interesting news, it turns out that DC Superman comic book series is getting a relaunch and new Superman. Spoiler alert, spoiler alert, spoiler alert. So, while uh, Kal-El is off uh, trying to liberate Warworld in action comics, it turns out there is a new Superman in town, and that is one Jonathan Kent, his son, and he's taking over the Superman title. And he's going to be basically hanging out around Earth and doing Superman-type things while uh, Kal-El, Clark Kent, is off in space uh, trying to free uh, the slave population of War World. Mm. Um, okay. I was about to say, so I'm guessing he's back from the future? Yeah, he's been for a while. Okay. I don't know. I don't keep up with that. Um, cool. I guess. Transformers. I'll take both of these. Uh, Transformers reboost and skids roll out as new Hasbro releases. So there's two new Tom, uh, to- Takara Tomi Masterpiece Transformer figures with Autobot skids and reboost. That second one I have no idea of. Um, imported directly from Japan, these classic bots feature authentic design and deco as well as original packaging and instructions. Uh, and it just tells you who they're based off of. And off of that, the see the price of both these are eighty nine ninety nine, uh, and set to be released by the end of November twenty twenty one. You can see the pictures of both of these if you're watching the video. But also, um, Transformers Decepticon Jetfire receives life action three zero figure. Uh, none of those. None of those movie figures need to be made. I don't know why. But regardless, the Transformers Revenge of the Fallen DLX Jetfire is priced at $299 uh, and is going to be released at the end of 2021. Next. All righty. Snake Eyes Hasbro figures offer a closer look at G.I. Joe prequel movie. Uh, In the absence of any trailers or preview footage of Paramount's upcoming Snake Eyes G.I. Joe Origins, it falls on Hasbro to give G.I. Joe fans their first real look at the cast of this prequel movie. Uh, Hasbro just unveiled a new wave of G.I. Joe classified figures based on the new movie, offering an early glimpse of Henry Golding Snake Eyes, Andrew Koji Storm Shadow, Samara Weaving Scarlet, and other movie characters. 
Yay. Um, Toink celebrates Anime Day with new items from Dragon Ball Super, Avatar The Last Bender, Yu-Gi-Oh! and more. So April 15th was apparently Anime Day, and to celebrate, Toink uh, added some new anime-themed items to their collection for fans to purchase. There's a new bottle bottle for Dragon Ball Super fans. I know Agent 70 is looking forward to that one. Uh, I never do a super doing. Uh, hey, I know what a Saiyan is now. <laughs> nice, and they don't even get in that until um, um. No, I'm in Z now. Oh wow, you burned through uh, Dragon Ball. Yeah, it's not that hard. Uh, Z no, is not, a lot harder. I, I mean, kind of, but there's there's still a lot of episodes to to. But then again, you had started already, so yeah. So wait, we're, we'll talk about it later. Anyway, um, I'm the middle. I'm- the middle of the first season of Z. Oh, so still in the uh, Saiyan arc. Gotcha. All right. right. Um, so yeah, cool. We'll <laughs> good luck with that. Um, so yeah, uh, Naruto Shippuden Bobblehead exclusive Avatar Avatar the Airbender uh, enamel pin set and more. So yeah, uh, they got some stuff uh, on the line. You can see some of this of uh, that. Um, I was slightly kidding about a water bottle, but maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> Next up. Oh, a new podcast about Star Trek The Next Generation is coming soon and will feature interviews with several of its popular cast members. The Next Generation... uh, uh, According to (laughs) comicbook.com, there's a new podcast coming, which will be hosted by Gates McFadden, the actress best known for playing Dr. Beverly Crusher. Uh, the series promises to offer behind-the-scenes stories about the golden age of Star Trek as McFadden records one-on-one interviews with her previous co-stars. Uh, instead of talking about the show itself, she plans to explore more about the lives of the actors in question, stating, We don't dissect the episodes, we speak about our lives. The series will be fil- uh, we will be titled Investigates. Uh, who do you think you are? Okay. So, it, it's it's kind of weird because I feel like some of those, the captains things that, um, that, uh, Shatner was doing kind of did some of that, I thought, but then again, I haven't seen that, that much of that stuff. So, Hey, it's out there for you folks. Um, okay. Why are you not? There we go. Factory entertainment unveils life size. He man power sword prop replica. Uh, so between Noah Stevenson's or claimed she ride the princess of power cartoon and an upcoming master of the universe revelation animated series from Netflix from Kevin Smith. There's no better time to be a masters of the universe fan, I guess. Uh, it's a safe bet to expect toys based on a revelation series, but until then factory entertainment has fans and collectors covered with a premium life size replica of he man's iconic power sword. You can see, uh, it, the picture of it right there. If you're watching the video, uh, this officially licensed 40 inch long power sword prop replica features a full tang blade crafted from stainless steel and a mirror chrome finish. The announcement reads, yeah, so it's a it's a thing. That's that's not a joke. That's not like hard plastic. No, you know, it may not be sharp, but you can whack somebody with that if it's stainless steel. Mm. It may not be solid, but it's definitely something you could take to somebody's head. Right. Um, yeah, I kind of wonder about that because that that 
That, yeah, that's the thing. But uh, every replica is supplied in a full-color collector box and comes with a wall-hanging display plaque and certificate of authenticity. Uh, the display plaque resembles He-Man's iconic sword... Shield, excuse me. So you're sort of getting two weapons for the price of one here. Uh, the release also calls the replica a real-world power sword, but does not go into the details on whether holding it aloft... Okay, you you know the, where the rest of that's going, and I won't have to. Um, so yeah, and there's pictures of it here with the box. Um, now here, where's the price? That is the question. I am not seeing a price. Which means it's probably pricey. Um, next up. I was just looking for the price, too. Uh, let's see. So, there uh, is, in the wake of uh, the live-action premiere of Ahsoka Tano, as played by Rosario Dawson on the, the second season of The Mandalorian, uh, Hot Toys has put out a deluxe Ahsoka one-sixth scale figure uh, action figure, which comes with Grogu and... Um, for pre-order at a price point of $285, you can get the setup um, for just, I guess it's just for Ahsoka. For Ahsoka and Grogu, you have to uh, pony up a little bit more money. Uh, that is priced at $315. Uh, if you pre-order now, it's uh, set to ship in July uh, 2022 to September 2022. That's a lot, but we've also said previously that Hot Toys is um, a little expensive. Uh, that sword is 600 bucks. The power sword. Wow. Yeah. Or or 550 if you got a, a, a discount with, the, with them, but that's a lot either way. Next up, though, Simu Liu, uh, share, Liu shares the first look at new Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings products. So this was kind of what I was leading to uh, earlier, because also on his birthday, um, not only did he get to show off the trailer and the poster, or not, he didn't get into the poster, but he also got to show off uh, some goodies that he got from from Disney and Hasbro. And as you can see in uh, this GIF, which is would probably gifts uh, from his Instagram story. It is a Funko Pop, a Marvel Legends Shang-Chi, a Shang-Chi from the Titan Heroes series, and a Shang-Chi action figure with bow staff action and battle FX bow staff. Um, and again, I'm going to move away from that because I know that might give people some a headache or whiplash or something. Not whiplash, but nausea. So yeah, um, that's that's pretty much that. New toys, folks. Next up. Upper Deck Entertainment unveiled Thunderbolts Volume 4, Issue 6, a new expansion for Marvel's Versus System uh, two-player card game, which will release in July. This final installment for the three-part Civil War story arc uh, wraps up the conflict between Iron Man and Captain America over the Superhero Registration Act. The Thunderbolts enter the scene to hunt down renegade heroes and help Iron Man finish the job. The game box comes with 55 playable cards and a rule sheet. Uh, this supports two players, plays in 30 minutes. The MSRP on this product is $14.99. Alrighty. 
Uh, next up, uh, the X-Men join Marvel United in new corset. Uh, come on and spin master games have announced Marvel Unlimited. I keep saying unlimited United X-Men, a new corset for the Marvel United line scheduled for release in May, 2022. Uh, Marvel United X-Men adds mutant heroes and villains to Mar- Marvel United, uh, board game launched last year by come on and spin master games. So this is a, a cooperative game that pits heroes from the Marvel Universe against iconic villains using cards and cartoonish miniatures. Uh, let's see. As of this writing, Kaman has raised a lot of money and a lot of backers uh, through a Kickstarter com- campaign to fund production of the game. Uh, backer fulfillment is planned for May 2022. Next. So as part of the July solicits that dropped today, some some announcements came out. One of them being that Amazing Fantasy, the title, is returning with uh, Spider-Man, Captain America, Black Widow, and Time Travel. Um, Writer-artist Kari Andrews is going to revive this classic title. Um, uh, He's going to make... um, uh, he's going to have a story that unites three time-tossed versions of Marvel heroes for a fantastic adventure uh, with those uh, heroes starring, um, I think I saw somewhere where it's like World War II Spidey, Black Widow from another, uh, World War II Cap, uh, Black Widow from another era, and Spidey from a specific era, so... Um, it's going to be, uh, interesting to see what Kari Andrews comes up with for this, uh, reboot of Amazing Fantasy. Indeed. It also sounds like a version of Exiles, but for, um, (laughs) the other folks at large. Next up, um, Spider-Man villains wage a civil war. We kind of sort of alluded to this earlier, uh, in Sinister War event. Um, Doc Ock is back as we said earlier uh, let's see the nature of Marvel's recent Sinister Spider-Man teaser has been revealed and the epitaph uh, does indeed refer to the return of Dr. Octopus and the Sinister Six but there's more Doc Ock's Sinister Six will make, take on Vulture's Savage Six for villainous supremacy in uh, Sinister War a four issue limited series from writer Nick Spencer and artist uh, Mark Bagley, which kicks off in July. So, okay, cool. Next up. Uh, World War She-Hulk. Pits Jennifer Walters against the Avengers and more this summer. This is something I was talking about, teasing about, when we were talking about Avengers earlier during the review section, uh, talking about how um, some ramifications in uh, the Avengers book are going to come up from their actions during the Phoenix event, um, you know, and 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 the fact that some of the some of their members uh, were part of the uh, the tournament to determine who would end up uh, becoming the new host of the Phoenix Force, and uh, part of that has come, you know, and part of that has come to fruition here in a tie, in a story arced in uh titled world war she hulk without spoiling too much yeah 
Uh, it's Avenger versus Avenger in July's new Thor story arc, arc uh, Revelations. Uh, so, let's see. If Thor's hammer is an unstoppable force and Captain America's shield is an immovable object, an age-old physics question about what happens when they meet will might be answered in July 14th, uh, Thor 15, the start of a new Midgard-shaking uh, story arc by series writer Donnie Cates. Titled Revelations, the new story teams Kate's with uh, guest artist Michelle Bandini of King and Black Spider-Man fame. Standing in for the series regular uh, artist Nick Klein, who uh, Marvel Shears readers will be returning to the title for the next arc. Uh, Revelations will pack plenty of surprises, according to the publisher, according, including a fight between the Thunder God, Thor, and American Sentinel of Liberty, Captain America, as seen on the cover by former Thor artist uh, Olivier Coppel and color, colorist Matt Wilson. Um, so they're doing Secret Wars again, again? So kind of, sort of? Really? Next up. Mm, what are we on? The Marvel finalizes team? Mm-hmm. After announcing the results of the fan poll to select a member of the team for its new flagship X-Men title, Marvel announced the final team up, final final team lineup. X-Men number one, a reboot of that particular title, is shipping in July and flowing out of the Hellfire Gala in June. Um, will feature a story by Jerry Duggan with art by Pepe Larraz and colors by Marte Gracia. Uh, the series is going to tell the adventures of the first X-Men team since the formation of the Mutant Nation Krakoa in Hawks Pox. The team for the first year will include Cyclops, Marvel Girl, Rogue Wolverine, that is uh, Laura Kinney Wolverine, Sink, Sunfire, and Polaris, who won the fan vote. Congratulations. Uh, it's an honor being nominated. Last Annihilation event promises uh, a transform to transform Marvel's cosmic uh, comics. So we were kind of wondering what was going on in what was going to be going on in um, Guardians of the Galaxy, what that was leading up to, and here it is. Uh, Marvel Comics has announced a, a Last Annihilation event, promising to transform their entire cosmic range. Uh, until 2006, Marvel Comics books, cosmic books, have always seemed like something of an afterthought. And then Annihilation came along, came along and changed the game. But uh, now Marvel has announced a new event, The Last Annihilation, the brainchild of writer Al Ewing. Uh, the story will kick off in July in Guardians of the Galaxy 16. Uh, this will see the entire galaxy under attack, one the likes of which hasn't been seen since the first Annihilation War. A mysterious figure with a new vision for the universe and they have the army to make that vision a reality. Five worlds under siege, and it may be too much for even the new Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, the story will then continue in Sword Number 7, which is set in the aftermath of the Hellfire Gala. So it invites... Oh, you know what? We don't need to talk about that, because maybe you want to save that little tidbit for yourself. But nevertheless, things are afoot. That's going to happen. Next. Captain Marvel number 30 will feature the first Carol Danvers story from her costume designer, Jamie McKelvey. 
back when they redesigned the story, the, uh, the, the, the costume and story behind uh, Captain Marvel, Jamie McKelvey was hired um, by Marvel to redesign the costume. Um, now he's going to create his first Captain Marvel story in July's Captain Marvel number 30 as both a writer and artist as announced through Sifi or Sci-Fi Wire. Wow, that was 2012 when they redesigned the costume. That know, feels right? like it was yesterday. Exactly. Um, yeah, you're right. Game of Thrones is Amelia Clark, along with Marguerite Bennett, uh, pinned a new image comic, Mom, M-O-M, Mother of Madness. Uh, Amelia Clark is well known for, you know who she is, folks. We don't have to say it. Uh, her newest project for image comics also focuses on a mother. One who just so happens to have superpowers. M.O.M. Mother of Madness is a three-issue miniseries written by uh, Clark and Marguerite Bennett with illustrations from Layla Leyes. Uh, it single, centers on a single mother, Maya, who discovers she has superpowers and uses them to fight a human trafficking ring. Uh, speaking to Entertainment Wiki, Le- Weekly, Clark described the series as having a tongue-in-cheek approach to humor Similar to Deadpool, but with a feminist ang- angle. Not sure how to feel about that. But there you go, folks. It, it will be out July 21st from Image. Next up. Mike Bignola is expanding his creator owned empire. Uh, with a whole new universe separate from his long-running Hellboy family of titles affectionately known as the Mignola-verse, what's coming now is the Outer-verse. Um, it's built out of his and longtime collaborator Christopher Golden's prose novels Baltimore and Joe Golem and The Drowning City and their ensuing individual comic book series. The Outerverse is becoming real with a new series of comic book limited series and one shots with characters from those titles getting a solo spotlight. So out this week, uh, we did have a chance to take a look at it. It was uh, Tales from the Outerverse, Kojakaru the Skinner, number one of two, which picks up the story of a young girl named Krina, who readers first met in the Joe Golem prose novel, but we're fast-forwarded past her prime human years and into her afterlife as she's brought back from the dead as a revenant when Europe needs her, like the King Arthur or Charlemagne mythology, only more gothic and dark. Oh, so now I understand what that book is kind of about. I just skimmed it very quickly. Mm, gotcha. So, cool. Uh, the rest of the article is an interview with uh, Mignola and oh, it's, uh, Christopher Nolan. I mean, Christopher Golden, excuse me. Anyway. Last but not least, uh, it's the Humble Manga Bundle, Spring 21 Anime Season Bundle. So Humble Bundle, as in as they tend to do, have bundles of things uh, on sale every now and then. Uh, this particular manga bu- bundle is available now, and it's paid what you want with money going to charity, as it ten- uh, normally tends to do. Um, you get, it's apparently $939 worth of awesome manga, uh, and there is a list. Okay. There is a list of, um, if you're watching the video, that you can see the list of what you can get out of that, uh, with what you pay with, with the whatever tier. Some of it's good stuff. Some of it, I'm like, okay, sure. Regardless, it's all worth a, a good cause. 
And you can get it in multiple formats, which is also great. Um, uh, let's see. I don't know how long it's going to... Oh. It doesn't say how long it, uh, it's going to last, but that's fine. And that's it, folks. That is the last news story of the night. Uh, can we get one last ad read? Our last ad read of the night is for Wink, a personalized wine club. Seems like some people need more to drink tonight. Wink is a world of wine delivered right to your door. From rosé to cabernet to torrente, Wink has over 100 styles of wine to discover. Drink some damn orange wine, people. Wink connects you to a world of exclusive wines tailored to your taste and delivered directly to your door. Wink delivers four bottles of wine to you every freaking month with free shipping. You can pick your own bottles or let Wink choose and match to your taste. It doesn't cost a damn thing to become a member, and you can skip or cancel anytime. And now the listeners of the Comic Book Chronicles can enjoy an exclusive discount of $20 off your first order. To place your first order with $20 off and to help keep our show free for you, go to our network website at cspn.us forward slash wink. That's cspn.us forward slash w-i-n-c. Wink wines through CSPN. Do it today. I, I think someone may need a nap and not necessarily a, a, a bottle. So, um, so we can go ahead and speed that along. Uh, <laughs> I hope everything is okay. Um, this, thank you for coming out for, for this here combo chronicles as you tend to do, whether it be in audio form, video form or live or not. Um, I have been Roddy cat. You can find me at Roddy cat on Twitter. You can find me at news news need on Twitter. You can find me at CB caps on Instagram. Uh, one angry agent, uh, he's probably not really angry, but, um, one, um, interestingly emotioned, uh, agent underscore 70. You can find him at agent underscore 70 on Twitter and Instagram. PC and underscore dirt on Twitter, pop culture net on Twitter, pop culture network, uh, dot com and all the umbrella sites they're in probably still, uh, bite, uh, under comic reviews, no vowels. Tim, D-O-G-G-9-8 on Twitter, who, by the way, just had his birthday on the 20th, so, so happy birthday to Tim, even though it was, um, uh, I think we probably said so on, on, on the Twitters proper or whenever else, but um, you can find him at Tim, D-O-G-G-9-8 on Twitter, like I said. Um, CB Cron on Twitter, which is the Comic Book Chronicles um, uh, Twitter account. You can also find him at the Click Nation on Twitter. That's T-K-L-I-Q-N-A-T-L-N theclicknation.com spelled the same way but also over at comic book resources where he's writing his face off you can find this here podcast on the cold slither podcast network that's cspn.us do it today Um, you can also find this at your podcast perusal place of choice, whether it be Google Play, Apple iTunes, aka Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or the Coastal of the Podcast Network SoundCloud page. We'll be back next week. Um, Falcon and Winter Soldier, number six. We, uh, the last one. Uh, maybe some talk about Mortal Kombat. I don't know. Maybe possibly leave and cross over it, but we will definitely come back with some more comic book and comic book news. Uh, and with that, folks, this has been the Comic Book Chronicles. 
Peace. Peace. One. Rest in peace. Shock G. And DMX. And Black Rob. Now gather round. I'm the new fool in town. And my sound's laid down by the underground. I'm drinking all the Hennessy you got on your shelf. So just let me introduce myself. My name is Humpty. Pronounced with the Humpty. Yo, ladies. Oh, how right, I like it. to pump thee. <laughs> all the rappers in the top ten. Please allow me to pump thee. Would you believe it's, it's Dr.